Welcome to 100% Elite. I am your host, Jeff Englert. This is episode 17, the bonus episode this week where I have my first guest and he will be my tag team partner in talking all things pro wrestling. All right, I'm here with uh, Mr. Zachary Preston. What's up, dude? What's going on, my man? Good to talk to you again. Oh, yeah, definitely. So shit is going crazy, man. All of wrestling right now is weird. I mean, no crowds. We got people getting laid off. You got random fucking matches because everybody's stuck in different states. And it's... It's just crazy. How have you been uh, enjoying wrestling lately? You know what? It has given me a newfound respect for the product as a whole. Um, You know, much to my surprise, I did not think the product could work without a crowd uh, when they first announced that they were going that route. Um, And definitely some hiccups along the way. But overall, um, I think everybody's product has gotten better every week. Oh, yeah, for sure. They seem to adjust. The interesting thing was, um, you know, I'm still a WWE guy as well. I still watch both products. And watching uh, people like John Cena come back and talk in front of an empty arena just actually goes to show you how good of an actor that he is as well because you could tell that he was very comfortable in that environment where some of the younger talent definitely is still trying to find their footing. But overall, the product has actually been uh, getting better every week, and I'm I'm happy to have that over nothing, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I I don't know what I would do if I didn't have – AEW to look forward to or I see I watch NWA and I watch a little bit of New Japan which they're not running uh definitely half as much so I, I watch a lot of highlights and then some of Impact I watch a lot of uh highlights and stuff like that of Impact um but yeah I don't watch any WWE at all so that's why it's nice for us to talk because I know really nothing about what's going on. The only person I really follow with his storylines, because he's like one of the best ever, is AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. I follow pretty much anything he does, because he's my number two. I don't know if you listen to my <laughs> my top ten list. Oh, I know. <laughs> we, we can dissect that later. Oh, you. man. I got a lot of heat for that fucking list. It's a good list. It's a good list. But like I said, we can talk about that. <laughs> my uh, buddy texted me and was like, uh, he said, so, I know he was mad about Triple H because I said he's one of the most underrated or overrated wrestlers of all time, which he is. I mean, his style's never changed over how many fucking years. He does the same moves, um, and he always wants to be the one getting put over, like constantly. Uh, even Bret Hart just came out. There's an interview with him, a shoot interview where he talks about it, and it was it was pretty funny. You know, I've been doing a lot of uh, in the vault on the network. Um, one of my favorite pastimes is I watch a lot of AEW reruns. I buy all the pay-per-views on BR Live, so I have. Oh yeah, that's the only place to buy them because then you because then you can keep watching them for like ever. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I watch Revolution at least weekly still. It was, it was a beautiful. It was a beautiful pay-per-view. Oh yeah, beautiful. 
pay-per-view. Um, but I've been watching a lot of classic stuff with another friend of mine, and we'll text about it back and forth. But it it struck me as odd like i had never realized it before how a lot of classic wrestlers kind of fall into that john cena five moves of doom yep you, know, you mentioned triple h there um you know even watching old taker matches it was always the same oh yeah formula you know flair had some moves in the bag but even even old times like that you know very five moves of doomy so it's interesting that you said about triple h because i would happen to agree with you on that one yep i put hulk hogan in there too that was a real sore spot for <laughs> <laughs> he was basically hit the, you know, hit the big boot, drop the leg, and go home. That was <laughs> oh, yeah. Hulk up. Yeah, you got Hulk up, power, body slam. You know? Yep. Just the, the same. I get it. John, you know, and that's why it's worked. I mean, people criticize uh, Roman Reigns, but like I said, it's it's much of the same. He's not the he's not the first one to come out and be like that. You know. That's where the mic has sounded the best. Like when oh, you're so close lower. closer to it, yeah. <laughs> Don't edit that out. That would be great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. This is going to be a very unedited uh, podcast. As long as we don't say anything too crazy, I think it should be good to go. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, so you watch all of AEW. So you know Kenny Omega is obviously the greatest wrestler of all time. Oh, yeah. I haven't missed a, haven't missed a dark. I haven't missed a dynamite. I haven't missed a pay-per-view. Yeah, they've been phenomenal. So I'm going to tell you a little bit where I fell out of wrestling and how I got back in because you never left. So it's it's pretty easy to catch your little track record. Mine, I stopped watching wrestling when Hulk Hogan and The Rock were mm. set to wrestle. What is it, WrestleMania? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, found... I it was Hollywood Hogan. They were trying to put him yep. over as a heel. Um. Uh, this is going to sound really stupid. That's when I found out wrestling wasn't real. <laughs> that was 18 years ago, dude. That was WrestleMania 18. Yeah. I found out wrestling wasn't real. and I. So 18 years ago, what was I? Fuck, I can't do math. I'm 31 now. So 18 years ago. So that's a while ago. Bro. Yeah. That's like 14 years old. That's where we're still living next to each other. Okay. I remember clearly finding out wrestling wasn't real and i was so mad because we were so into it when we were kids mm -hmm. i literally like tears in my eyes like dreams crushed <laughs> <laughs> like it was bad so i pretty much quit watching from that point on like i would catch it here and there but i also had you know the shitty friends that were always at my house constantly which you live next to me so you caught a lot of those shitty friends oh, yeah. and <laughs> So girls, all that stuff. So wrestling kind of went on the back burner. Um, I didn't watch anything until Cody Rhodes uh, did the thing with Stephen Amell because I was a big Arrow fan. So I watched those like two or three matches that they had. Or not matches, little segments. And then they had the one match with Neville. Was and he was Stardust by that time. Yeah, he was Stardust, which was a horrible gimmick. But even then, <laughs> he worked it hard, oh, dude, he tried as hard as he could to get that over. But you could just tell he wasn't fucking happy. And all of his interviews, he did them as Stardust, which was like top notch in my book. Um, but anyways, so I watched a little bit of that. But I got back into it. WrestleMania 33, Hardy Boys coming back. I think you already know Jeff Hardy has been my favorite wrestler for a long ass time. So I'm like, the Hardy boys are coming back. I'll just get back into it. It's going to be great. 
Um, and I got the WWE Network, and I pretty much only watched old shit. I couldn't get into any of the new characters. I couldn't get, especially Seth Rollins. He's just fucking whiny. I can't stand him. He's horrible. Yeah, we can get to that. We can get to that. <laughs> um, but I started watching NXT. Rhea Ripley is one of the people that I actually really got into. She's fucking great. Um, Charlotte Flair, AJ Styles was there. So I watched a little bit. Um, and then my buddy Zach, the other Zach, um, said, dude, you need to watch these two matches because All In is about to happen. So watch these two matches and you will like this shit so much better. So he sent me Kenny Omega versus Okada and Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. And Kenny Omega is the reason I like pro wrestling again. Like his matches were for not that two out of three falls with Okada is like the greatest wrestling match of all time. And he only sent me the highlights. We actually just recently, we were sitting on my couch and we were bored as fuck. Um, the girls were out at the bar and he's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know. He goes, have you ever watched that full match? I was like, no, I watched all the highlights. I pretty much got it. And he goes, no, you have no idea. I thought you were going to go and watch the fucking full thing when I sent it to you. So we watched that whole thing and it was literally, I couldn't believe half the shit that they were doing to each other. It was so fucking, it was hard hitting the whole time. It just bang, bang, bang. I didn't, how did they survive shit like that? But anyways, I'm going off on a tangent. Um, (laughs) So that brought me back in. I watched All In and then Cody Rhodes in this NWA title with Nick Aldis. The whole, oh dude, the whole storyline between them is what got me back into loving pro wrestling. I was in with Kenny Omega because the moves were cool and all that stuff. But every time he gets on the mic and cuts a promo, it it seriously, I'm I'm dialed in. Do you hate Cody Rhodes? Is that why you're sitting like that? No, no. I'm, I love hearing this because you have a less traditional route uh, into coming back into pro wrestling as a fan. So I'm, I'm really, really liking hearing this for the first time. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it was all in and then I was AEW everything. I went back and I watched... Anybody who was on that roster, the elites, I watched all of the being the elites. I watched um, all of their Ring of Honor matches, uh, their some of their Dragon Gate stuff, um, some of their PWG, P, yeah, PG, oh. no, PWG matches, um, and then their New Japan stuff, the Bullet Club. Then that got me back into AJ Styles when he was in the Bullet Club. Phenomenal matches with him, too. And... It just spiraled, and then Double or Nothing happened, and that was the first pay-per-view that I've actually bought with my own money, bought it. I went to uh, my sister's house, because Jake is like you. He never left. He's always bought the games. Uh, You know Jake, right, my brother-in-law? Yeah, I didn't think he existed for many years, but yes, I know Jake. (laughs) (laughs) He never left wrestling either. uh, He's been a fan for, and I always gave him shit for it. I got him into AEW, and we watched that first Double or Nothing, and that that match, Dustin and Cody, literally every Tori had tears in her eyes. It was a sight, a sight to behold. For oh sure. man, that Crimson Mask! I thought there was something gonna. Uh, he's gonna pass out. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean there is. That brought me back. That brought. Oh me yeah. Back to some 
to some older times in wrestling and it was beautiful storytelling and there definitely was uh, a point where i was moved to oh god i hope he's not dying <laughs> you know <laughs> or both of them dying you know it was crazy oh yeah uh, very emotional beautiful pay-per-view all the way through i mean and 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 i'd be interested to hear what you say, have to say about this you know the uh great main event between Jericho and Omega, you know, you weren't following WWE. So you didn't know Dean Ambrose. You didn't know. Oh yeah. Going on with them. Like you didn't know it was so much drama over here. Twitter blowing up, speculating. He releases a video as Moxley, which, you know, is a character that he started when he was here, you know, in our hometown in Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Just rampant speculation. And so, Oh man, the huge pop. Oh yeah, the crowd was electric, oh, man. Nuts. And it's, it, I'm interested to hear what your take was on that because you didn't really know who Dean Ambrose or John Moxley was going into that. Nope, I caught the gas mask. The crowd is so pungent, <laughs> and I said, "This guy is a fucking moron. I hate him." Mm. Right. So John Moxley comes in, the big pop, and I'm like, "Wasn't this guy Dean Ambrose?" I get it. I I, I saw all the Twitter stuff and. Uh, and all the big blow up, but I didn't understand why, right? So he wrestles around with Kenny Omega, drops him on the chips, and then he has that match with Joey Janela at mm-hmm. Fighter Fest? Or is it Fight for the Fallen? Fighter Fest? Fighter Fest, yes. Yeah. Oh, dude. I love that shit. That's my shit right there. When he brought out the thumbtacks and looked at the camera and said, yeah. sorry, <laughs> fucking just <laughs> sprinkled them everywhere. I mean,. I'm one of the people who loved that match. It was not garbage wrestling to me. It was hardcore as shit, and it was great. So you, that was really like your foray, like back into the pro wrestling game, is what you're saying here. Like as far as a live product is concerned. Oh um, yeah, definitely. You know, because I, I got to tell you, like Wrestle Kingdom 12, Wrestle Kingdom 13, like I hold as like two of the greatest pay per views that there ever were. Oh yeah, I watched them both. Oh, I'll still watch them today. You know, I have I'll have people come over and we'll watch it. And it's just, especially thirteen, just just mind blowing. You know, just the quality of oh yeah wrestling that was going on. And it, you know what? I think it was great that everything happened over social media because it got the public's attention to saying, "Hey, like, you know, WWE is not the only product that you have to digest um, that's readily available. You know, you can come and see what wrestling's all about." And I think I, having never left. Um, I, I don't even think I became jaded because I found comedy in all of WWE's missteps over the years, even as a fan, even as an, uh, you know, an avid watcher, you know, I, I always watch raw, um, and I watch every pay-per-view SmackDown's hit or miss, especially now that it's Friday. Um, just people got things to do on Friday. Night. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, no, yeah. When it was on Tuesday, my fiance wouldn't let me have the TV for wrestling two nights in a row. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah, but in in any case, you know, I was never jaded to, you know, what WWE was doing, you know. Um, I think a lot of people got angry because they were jaded about that. And if you don't sit here as a practical fan and think that, like, merchandise and, like, other things that go into this business are more profitable than their actual live shows, Mm -hmm. you have to to remember that that this is a for-profit business. And so they're always going to please their shareholders and stakeholders and stuff like that and that's why what AEW has been able to do is so beautiful you know they they listen to the fans and by not over 
by not overdoing their product. And when I say that, I mean not overexposing it. Mm-hmm. Um, they really create, you know, a, you have to watch it every week and for every second in order to get the details. Because, you know, on, on WWE, you can expect on, you know, something to happen one week and then the retaliation the following week. And it's very sick, like in that case. And AEW, sometimes you won't see a response to something that's happened for two, three two, three weeks a month, even, you know, mm-hmm. they're really trying to maximize their time with their roster. So it, it's, uh, it's been really, really refreshing as a wrestling fan. Oh yeah. It's, it's, uh, been one hell of a ride. Uh, I, I do keep up with some of the storylines that WWE has been cooking out just because of all the podcasts I listen to. So like the dog food and, the <laughs> the, uh, the Rusev and Lana, nonsense that was going on and stuff like that so that's why i uh you know and they ryan sat and had the audacity to come out and say that they're not burying rusev that like vince (laughs) thinks that like this is gold you know like that's good shit damn it oh yeah the the (laughs) it's it's definitely no way way anybody (laughs) thinks this is good materials And, and that's the thing is you know if i wasn't paying if i was paying more than ten dollars a month I would definitely feel screwed. The the way that I consume the rest of wrestling is pretty, you know, is pretty free. Oh know? yeah. So I'm really only paying for the pay per view, um, you know. But there are times as a fan where I'm certainly pissed off, and I'm saying like, "What are you guys doing? Like, it's just not <laughs> enjoyable." So, you know, I've almost made the switch. I mean, as a fan, like I would say, I'm more of a fan of All Elite now than I am of WWE. Um, not enough to get me to stop watching WWE. Oh yeah, um, of course. Now, you know, do, do you you watch NXT too, right? You know, NXT kept me with WWE uh, through some lean years when the roster was pretty lean. <laughs> I, I heard that product is actually like very wrestling based. I've I watched a little bit of it. Um, I just feel like they like I like Adam Cole a lot. Adam Cole is definitely a star. The guys that he has with him are like. It's like they carbon copied Adam Cole and we're like, they almost look like him. Just put them all out there. That's the bro thing though, man. That's why I love that storyline. It's very bro centric. Oh yeah. They were, uh, they all kind of, they're all kind of the same size. They all kind of move the same. Uh, Matt Riddle's like another little gem in there, uh, with his no shoes bullshit. (laughs) You know, NXT has been great and the takeovers have been amazing. Yeah. I heard they they were awesome. They kind of were you know, before going head to head with AEW on Dynamite on Wednesdays, you know, even though it is still a developmental brand, they're trying to obviously market it as its own brand, mm-hmm. you know, by bringing, you know, Charlotte Flair's down there now and uh, Finn Balor, who you might have known as Prince DeVitt uh, from NJPW. I liked um, him as the demon, man. I watched him and Ra- him and Randy Orton where he uh, knocked his shoulder out. Oh, yeah. Seth Rollins knocked his shoulder out. Is, is that who it was versus Seth Rollins? Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a universal championship. Okay, match. I watched uh, that one. Um, I when I had the WWE Network, I pretty much watched all of the uh, like 365s or like oh, yeah. any documentaries. I watched those and all old shit instead of watching what I should have been keeping up on. Uh, and I saw that, and it. I love the face paint. I like the gimmick. Mm. The fans are really into him. Mm. He seemed like a star with that stuff. Uh, why don't they do it anymore? Well, he's a heel now. Pardon the uh, jargon here, but he's he's playing the bad guy now. So part of that 
bad, traditional bad guy character, I most of the time is rebelling towards what the crowd likes. So, oh yeah, um, you know, and they need to they need to repair some of the aura that they um, that they really destroyed with that character. You know, very much like the Undertaker became very saturated over time. You know, mm-hmm. those characters like that. So, uh, I mean, with that said, my point being in that is. You know, going head to head, they're a very top heavy roster on t- from today's standards. So, like, the top half of their roster is very, very talented, and the lower half is very green, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not at the snuff. And so, I think that product, even on a head to head basis, though the ratings haven't showed the past two weeks, um, you know, I, I think lacks on a mid card level where AEW is very strong on a mid card level now. And they're doing themselves a lot of favors by having this new tnt championship but um yeah watch old nxts old nxt takeovers like very quality stuff like very very quality yeah i had they heard i heard they had some really good uh matches and Mm. i i don't like that they're bringing the stars into you know what i mean that the the main roster as it would be into nxt because it it makes me feel like they think oh well those guys can't do it we're just gonna give them less time when they've definitely earned it they've uh i mean shit rhea ripley to get the title taken away from charlotte flair who's been out of that picture for a long time they only bring her in there for a ratings pop it's not a storyline anymore because she's going after somebody else I know Rhea Ripley had something with her uh, her pass or her uh, working visa that got messed up. Yeah. And she was stuck uh, in New Zealand for a little bit. Is that where she's from or is it Australia? She's from Australia. Is that the same place? Am I stupid right now? <laughs> they're, they're fairly close. Both. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I know she got stuck for a minute, but she was back. She posted, it was either on Instagram or Twitter, like she's back in the States. Yeah. Uh, but a, a couple tapings she missed, and I think it really did a disservice to her as a character to make her lose to Charlotte mm-hmm. Flair. Even if they segwayed it somehow to uh, disqualification, which nobody likes losing that way, but or they should have had a longer fucking build. Man, I just hit my mic. Uh, longer build up <laughs> um, to them actually going against each other, because Rhea Ripley was a star. I mean, she really, oh, yeah. really was. You know, and you haven't been a WWE fan, but that was another moment where I was like, no, Vince, what are you doing? Yeah, like, it, it, in WrestleMania 34, two years ago, um, Charlotte Flair beat a wrestler known as Asuka. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. Yep. Her I know everybody. Um, I just don't yeah. know, like, the, the fine details right. of everybody. So, Asuka was very, very undefeated. Um, uh, you know, built up to be the mystique of the undefeated streak to be great. And then she challenges or Charlotte Flair challenges her for the championship at WrestleMania and uh, beats her and ends the undefeated streak. And it's another moment where you're just like, come on, like you had a star, like waiting to mm-hmm. be born at this second. Uh, same thing with Rhea Ripley. It's those booking decisions that are, that are strange. You know, it's like they book them 50, 50 all the time, all the time. And you see a lot of the same reoccurring. They have such a big roster, but it, I feel like you see the same matches a lot. Uh, yeah. Asuka was one of those people I liked that she uh, spoke Japanese. Is she Japanese? Yes, and she still does that. And yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal heel work. Oh, yeah. I like the fact that I don't know what she's saying, and but she can, she can 
do it with her uh, facial emotions and the way she's talking and her actions in the ring more than she is cutting a promo. I know they had like Paige with her for a little bit and then they turned on her and then she's starting to do uh, the green mist thing. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, the oh, dude, Tajiri yeah. back in the day was a yeah. fucking lethal machine, man. That buzzsaw yeah, kick, buzzsaw. yep. Yeah. He was he was the man for a while in the WWE. Him and uh, I always liked him. Eddie Guerrero matches. They had some good matches. Um, oh, there's one where he had somebody. What is that move? The tarantula when he would tie him up on the ropes. Yeah. Oh yeah, I used to love that guy, man. Uh, whatever happened to Tajiri? Uh, he just he retired. I'm not sure if he's still wrestling overseas. I thought I read that he retired recently. Um, let's see here. Um, we can get back to that. I'm not sure. <laughs> we could get back to that. He's 49 years old. I thought you were gonna be young Jamie here for a minute and just like pull it all up extra quick. Do you know who that is? Yes, Joe Rogan. Like, you know, Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to pull up as much as I can here on the fly. Oh, it's man. It's it's fun. legit, man. Trust me. I don't even have a web browser pulled up at all. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two screens. Like I said, I've got SmackDown going on here. Just watching the shit show, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, it's, do you like the wrestlers around the ring? That's another thing I think is a step I above. Love- is doing that i love that they're mic'd up and you can hear what they're saying also and the little you know comic relief of the gambling has been uh nicely, <laughs> nicely placed oh yeah um, but yeah man I, I i have to praise aew during this time you know they're still putting on compelling and what feels like meaningful matches you know one thing that wwe lacks on is uh seeming seeming purpose um, there doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be purpose behind every match or every interaction. Feels very disjointed, like an out of touch old man. Still <laughs> responsible for writing. How about that burn? That was a great burn. Oh yeah, uh, that I didn't think we were gonna get that Brody Lee when he came in, man. When he came in and started cutting these Vince fucking spoofs, uh, was ridiculous. I was like, great. holy shit! It's literally like. He's saying sit and spin, motherfucker. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and interestingly enough, I was uh, in the process of working on writing for Bleacher Report. Um, and one of the articles uh, that I had to submit to get onto the pro wrestling sheet website um, ended up being about how Luke Harper was underutilized in WWE. And I've always felt that way. Um, and I was just so glad to finally see that he was liberated and able to come to a, a fresh program, you know, and, and maintain his relevance. It's, you know, who knew that he was such a good promo? Who, oh yeah, exactly. They gave him that backwoods bullshit. Uh, and he, have you, did you listen to his Chris Jericho interview? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where good. he talks about, he, he tried to pitch this character over and over again and they just weren't having it. He just said, damn it. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. <laughs> you know, which is, wonder that the fiend has worked you know not only worked but been able to be artful and be creative um you wonder how hands-on vince has been with that character because that seems to be you know the exception rather than the rule with that company um although they have kind of neutered him by inexplicably uh losing to goldberg who jack hammering the worst jack hammer i've ever seen in history Gosh, man. it was horrible 
but I like the fact that he popped right back up after it. Like, almost no-sold the pin and the win. Like, yeah, I don't need the title. I, I let you win. Is what I thought they were going to twist it into, and then they didn't. So. I thought they were going to twist it that way, too. That was honestly how I how I saw it going down. And, you know, eh, it just... It just kind of is another one of those things WWE decides to do that makes you go, hmm. You know, yep. like he, when he like, when he lost the lost, uh, won by referee stoppage in that first Hell in the Cell match with Seth Rollins. It's like, oh, they booed him this. out of the fucking stance, oh. chanting AEW, which I don't know why they would. It's I mean, fans are weird, but yeah, it was the disqualification. They should have had them him just beat Seth Rollins and in continuous storyline. I feel like they build it up to a pay-per-view, end it, and they want to go completely another way with it, which is a little weird to me. You got to continue some storylines. I mean, things have to blow over pay-per-views a little bit, you know what I mean? You know, I I like jam bands, you know, and I really appreciate AEW because to me their booking, their writing is, is a lot like a well-crafted concert, you know, where you don't forget necessarily about where you started or what's in the middle. Like you just kind of weave the whole thing together, you know, and as opposed to a band that just comes out and does three minutes on, three minutes on, three minutes on, three minutes on, you know, I, I think they do a really good job of, and what I mean by that is they do a really good job of placing uh, little Easter eggs here and there that are, you know, either foreshadowing something that could be months in the future or hearkening back to something from months in the past. You know, they, oh, yeah. they do a really good job of like storyline synergy where you're saying WWE does a lot of like, okay, match is over. We for, pretty much forget this happened. <laughs> yeah. You know, or they kill storylines like mid thing. I, I, I feel like I'm harping on the WWE a lot. It's obviously given me like some of the greatest uh, childhood moments uh in my life definitely especially like we were saying earlier uh i think it was off the podcast it might have been on the podcast uh no mercy when we used to no mercy n64 oh dude your electric red characters used to (laughs) kill me (laughs) oh yeah everybody everybody had their whole thing like i had my whole character it was me it was like my persona like on yeah what we used to go over was it Timmy's house when we used to have the big Royal Rumbles. Everybody with yes. like their each Five characters. Dollars. Yep, it oh, was. Oh, yeah. When we would play like the the giant Royal Rumble. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, Hundred person Andre the Giant will come out at the end if you made it all the way to the end. <laughs> it was uh, fun times, man. Definitely. Uh, I, yeah. I free. I I love that game. I've I recently brought ugh, bought the Fire World Pro Wrestling game. Did you ever play that one? I've never played that. It, they have it on PS4. It's hard as fuck, and it grades your matches. <laughs> so if your match sucks and you don't pace it well, and like your character, his stamina, like if you try to do big moves right off the bat, your guy will get real sl- slow and sluggish, like you've tired him out, and then somebody can pin him real easy. But it's like 8-bit, like it's worse graphics than... Uh, like no mercy but you they have everybody in oh, no mercy was great for its time man the mechanics of that game were amazing oh yeah except for like sometimes you'd go to pick up stairs and his hands would go right through them and it would pick up and <laughs> obviously it was good for its time for sure wwe still has problems with their games these days I, it's oh just man like, how can you not figure it out like you know even games like fifa and madden have 
you know, little glitches here and there, but there's a lot of moving parts to those games. They mm-hmm. seem to go seem to go very smoothly. I bought 19. I liked 19. It wasn't bad. 20. WWE 2K19. Yep, I bought 19. I played the shit out of it. Um, I didn't buy 20 because I saw somebody literally saying every match I play, my legs fold up into my body, and I wobble around the ring and and do all sorts of. And I heard, um, was it Ukes? Is the people who dropped out? I don't know if it was Jax or Ukes. I think it was Ukes. Uh, I know they. One of the the companies dropped out, and they took their engine with them. So the WWE had to fall back on like a an old old uh, like a SmackDown versus Raw engine that they had, like a super old engine, and they tried to build a PS4 Xbox One game around it, and that's why it was so glitchy. Uh, I heard it's better now, but I'm not gonna spend my money on it. I'll just wait until the the next version game comes out right i hope man that'd be the that'd be the i don't wouldn't have to create them all in wwe games they seem to be ahead of the curve and most things you know already coming out with the action figures of course and you know did you pre-order them um yes i actually did i pre-ordered moxley so Yep. I, I got yelled at because I spent $140 on action figures. I don't know if you can see back there. Oh, all your I still have them. I still collect all this uh, nonsense. You know, I had a... I had a uh, box of old figurines that ended up going in a yard sale and you know, I was still actively like trading and looking for them and stuff like that, but not co- not for collecting, just to kind of have. Oh yeah, I open everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's how I am. You know, I'm. We have a record player and we collect records, but we listen to every record that we have. You know. Yep. I had. Uh, I listened to a. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Fine. Oh, okay. I listened to a uh, interview that Kevin Smith did with Stan Lee, and Stan Lee asked Kevin Smith a question. He goes, "I heard." you rip the covers off of your comic books when you buy them. And he explained, yeah, because I was literally not enjoying the things that I love anymore. I was putting them in card backs and I was sealing them up with gloves on and putting them in a box and never reading them or touching them. So I ripped the covers off so it devalues them right away and I can enjoy the things that I love because I'm never going to sell them. I mean, it's the, I buy them because I want to enjoy them. So that day, I went upstairs and I opened every single figure that I had and displayed them. I opened up a lot of comic books and finally read them. It was uh, a new take on life. So everything that I buy now, I just pop it open. I'm like, if this is what I, you know, I'm not going to ever sell it because I'm a fucking hoarder with <laughs> shit. But um, just like uh, like this right here, Tori's like, you're going to wear this around. It's my under oath hat. I wear it all the time. It's signed by the whole band. It's, I'm never going to sell it. I'm not a fucking eBay guy. So I just wear it. I wear it all the time. Oh, man. That's that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I feel I feel that you got to live life that way, you know? I mean, why Th- not? This shit's not going to be worth anything by the time I'm dead. <laughs> it might. I don't know. Well, you want to hear a dirty little secret you don't know about me? What? I got to go to All In. Oh, you did? 
Yeah, it was awesome. Oh man, I wanted to yeah. go to that Cleveland show that just happened, and now we might never get <laughs> to. Uh, go- did you see Mox's uh, tweet about that? You know, after he was like, "Come on, Ohio, like why? Or come on, Cincinnati, why can't they be the first? You know, Ohio show pretty much said, get your shit together to Cincinnati and book them." Um, oh yeah, the WWE's know, blocking it. Yeah, it sucks, and you know, places like uh, Cincinnati Gardens uh, were torn down. Mm-hmm. You know, so like. Those little auxiliary venues that used to exist around here that could house something like that, you know, are non-existent. The Cintas Center is where they're thinking. That would be excellent. That'd be nice and close. I mean, they could do it there or Fifth Third Arena down on UC's campus. Yep, I know they uh, they said the Cintas is about six to seven thousand people, which is right in their range for like a TV taping. So they could do an episode of Dynamite there easily instead of running a pay per view because. They did Heritage Bank Arena. It would have to be. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big. How many seats does that fill? At least like twenty thousand, I think. Twenty thousand. It might be less than that even. It's probably like fourteen max. Let's see here. I will tell you exactly. <laughs> Is it way off? Seventeen and a half thousand. Seventeen and a half. Okay, so yeah, so around fourteen to seventeen, especially when they have to block things off for like hard cams and arena sure, sure. and the stage. So probably about fourteen. That'd be a pay per view that they could run. But they're, I mean, <laughs> so no, I think you're gonna see them. I think you're gonna see them continuously run one a year in Chicago, one a year in Las Vegas, one a year in Florida, you know, and one that rotates somewhere else, you know, mm-hmm. the northeast or. Maybe somewhere in Texas or something like that. I was wondering this year if they were going to do Fighter Fest again, if they were going to do um, Fight for the Fallen again, because they talked about doing it every year. So are those going to be mini pay-per-views like they were free, or are they going to do them as, as episodes of Dynamite? Oh, like they did Bash on the Beach? Yep. Yeah. That was well, amazing. Yeah, Bash on the Beach was amazing. Um, <laughs> Cody was like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be the last Bash of the Beach because... They were trying to fight them on the name uh, for that. Oh, like blood and guts, yeah. Which was <laughs> another great burn. You know, I'm not sure if you heard the story. Have you heard the story behind that? Oh yeah, the interview that uh, Vince did, and he's like, "We're, you know, I don't think TNT's gonna like all that blood and guts and stuff like that." Yeah, it was on like a quarterly earnings call that he had said that. Yep. Uh, a few quarters ago, so you know. That's the thing is like you can tell that the creators of AEW and the creative force behind it um, really have a love for the business. They're checked into every aspect of the business. You know, I'm sure the, they watch just, everything. Well, that and then the IWC is so important and is like a group of people that WWE has very clearly turned their back on. You know, and it's just a perfect storm at the moment for AEW. Not not obviously you know the COVID situation which which hurts them, but you know. Though they've lost the last two weeks, their numbers have been pretty consistent on TNT. And oh, yeah. I know, I know getting a million viewers on average would be probably their ideal spot at the moment, but like averaging pretty close to 700K a week, you know, is nothing to, you know, nothing to laugh at. You know, Raw, hell, I mean, that's only, you know, a third of the Raw crowd, and Raw's been going on air for over 20 years. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I know the, the DVRs. Uh, they win in those. So you also have a lot of young people. That's their demographic, who are watching a lot of Tiger King and <laughs> dumb shit yeah. like that, and just DVR it and watch it later. Because, 
I mean, there really isn't a full roster there. You don't get to see the tag titles defended. You don't get to see, um, you know, Mox th- run through a bunch of people. Um, it, it's just a, yeah, it's definitely weird. I've been calling it the Voldemort <laughs> on yeah. the podcast because I don't even want to talk about it. It's such a stupid, I hate it. Uh, right now I wear a ventilator at work, not a ventilator, a respirator at work, like a full yeah. paint respirator mass my dad traded me a box of nine millimeter ammo for it (laughs) when shit hit the fan well you gotta deal with a lot of a lot of shitty shit and you don't know how that stuff stays on surface so it's good that you're safe oh yeah dude everybody has been piling the garbage piling well i've been working from home trying to do my part to cut down on the garbage used so just, just pile it out there. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I don't pick up your garbage. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. Well, but in any case, I mean, back to back to AEW. I just, uh, you know, hats off to them, man. Um, I've been enjoying your podcast. Obviously, I listen to Jericho uh, pretty religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as keeping up to date on, you know, not just the uh, AEW on a weekly basis, but the inner workings and things that are going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, Jericho's nice and insightful, and he's a good interview. I mean, his uh, his interview with Mox, like, right after the debut, well, it released right after the debut, was just one of the best interviews I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Super enlightening, and hell, that's another one I've listened to a couple times. Oh, yeah, me too. Him and uh, Chris Van Vliet, I listened to a lot of his interviews. Do you listen to his? I don't listen to Van Vliet. At all? Do you not like him, or do you just not? It's not that I don't like him. My podcast, oh my god, I listen to uh, a lot of true crime podcasts as well. <laughs> I listen to uh, Levitard show every day, so I mean, I'm consuming you know audio media a lot of times during the day. And I gotta oh get yeah, some attention to my fiance. <laughs> <laughs> he does sh- like interviews with wrestlers all across the board, from WWE, Impact, AEW. He's got really, really good interviews. Uh, he did one recently with uh, Sean Spears and uh, Drew McIntyre. Uh, they run a, uh, well, they did run a wrestling school called Flatbacks. And uh, at the end of each of the podcasts, they let all their students and Sean Spears and Tyler Breeze chop the fuck out of Chris Van Vliet. And his whole <laughs> chest from here to here, they got two each was purple and just fucking busted open. And Tyler Breeze, the, in the, if you watch just that video, had one of the hardest chops I've ever heard, ever. It was so fucking loud. Man, I love those big chops. I love big chops. Oh, man, it's the best. I don't know why, when they sound like gunshots uh, going off, you're just like, oh, man, this is great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, man, there were some great chops in that uh that Young Bucks, Omega, uh, Hangman, Adam Page tag team championship. Oh, match, dude, it's right. the greatest tag team match I've ever watched. Oh, you know, there was a couple a couple of missed spots, um, you know, that, that I, I don't think derailed the match by any means Mm-mm. or derated the match by any means. Um, Meltzer you know, gave it we... six stars. <laughs> Meltzer. <laughs> Uh, I like Dave Meltzer. I think some of the stuff he does is great, but I just think uh, he's he's a very elitist about his opinion. Um, no pun intended. He's good. Right. <laughs> Everybody um, says he's a a schlub for AEW. Man, he's he's bought in. 
<laughs> well, it's hard not to buy in. I mean, I'll tell you that on that pay per view, that Orange Cassidy pack match, fucking, oh, oh my god, it had me like falling out of my chair in amazement. What an awesome match that was! The rollout spot where he goes to roll out the other side oh, and he starts laughing. <laughs> Can you imagine those two backstage? Where they're sitting there looking, they say, okay, we're the cool-down match here, obviously. Let's go and fucking steal this show. And that's oh, yeah. exactly what they did. Oh, my God. What an amazing match that was. That was my next match on that card was the tag match, and Pac versus Orange Cassidy was right up there. I think it was yeah. better than the title match, that's for sure. Yeah, and that MJF-Cody match I don't think paid off as well as people would have liked. I think especially the uh, the Phantom Ring punch uh, that happened. I don't. I think people were like, "What the hell happened?" You know. And it took until a replay where I realized, you know, uh, kind of what how that went down. It was kind of an anticlimactic end for such a brutal. And that's another. That's another um, kind of an example of a few where they had their match and MJF, you know, had some words to say about Cody the following Wednesday on Dynamite. But they kind of really haven't revisited that since then. So nope. I wonder where that's going to go. You know, maybe. Maybe Cody wins this tournament and then MJF comes know, for the title. title. Yeah. Yeah. And, Although, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say in that match, the thing that brought me out of that match was uh, the ref deliberately giving the fucking blade to MJF in the middle of the ring. You see it on camera. He puts gloves on <laughs> and then he hands it to him, like literally puts it in his hands. And then MJF rolls out of the ring. He doesn't even get hit that hard. Like, he gets kicked from a disaster kick, which Cody, he doesn't have the best disaster kicks. I will say that. Even though he's my favorite wrestler now. Oh, he, he's the weakest of the elite, though, unfortunately. Um, far, yeah, in the ring? In-ring acumen. Yeah, in-ring, uh, yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, but when he rolled out of the ring, he cut himself, and he pops back up with that Donald Trump fucking tan he had going. And <laughs> he went in the booth like he was uh, Ross from Friends and got <laughs> – when he keeps getting the five. Have you ever seen that episode? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he comes up super bloody. Uh, I think it would have been a, a better either doing it the hard way or um, less – cons- Oh, yeah. Brock Lesnar, man, has beat the fuck out of people in the ring. I do like him for that. I hate Brock Lesnar because he's he's really the same sideshow he's been since he got in there. Oh, but God, I would love to see him in AEW, though. I think that that would be one of the most dramatic, like, holy shit moments there could almost ever be. As, as big as Hulk Hogan showing up on WCW, if Brock Lesnar oh, ever, yeah. music ever hit on... AEW because that's his name he owns his name he can show up as Brock Lesnar oh yeah uh, he can do everything you know minus having Paul Heyman with him but I don't think they'll ever take him though he's got such a bad attitude and like a such a I'm gonna walk in do my shit and if you don't like it I'm gonna throw a fucking title belt at you type shit <laughs> you know what he he is he doesn't he like does people right, he does what's right for business though if you listen to like Really good interviews that Paul Heyman gives about Brock Lesnar and people like John Cena even put him over. Said he's the best in ring talent he's he's ever. He knows what's good for business. As a matter of fact, you could hear him um, prior to the WrestleMania match after um, Royal Rumble when Drew McIntyre started going after Lesnar and he 
you know, as the now infamous audio clip of him kind of giving orders to Drew McIntyre, like, give me another Claymore kick, take the title, hold it over my head. Like, oh, yeah. You know, he, he really knows how to tell a story, like, and, and, and kudos to him for that. But uh, I, yeah, chalk that up to things that would never happen. But <laughs> as far as, like, the one of the most holy shit moments there would ever be, you know, yeah, you got to give it to Brock Lesnar, man. I mean, staying relevant for all these years, making all this money. Oh, yeah. I liked his run in, in the UFC. I, li- I liked watching him. Uh, he's definitely a attraction uh, that brings eyes to the pro. I mean, he he's fucking huge, and he beat the shit out of Braun Strowman in the middle of the ring, <laughs> uh, and it was fantastic. But, um, yeah, I mean... He's got that devastating uh, F5 that fucking just lays people out. It's such a good finisher, yeah. and it's so easy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think? He's good at- Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what do you think of Wardlow's F10? That is what they're calling it. Man, I think, <laughs> I think that AEW has had a handful of missteps in their young life, which is obviously you know not – you know, it's not a terrible, mm-hmm. terrible thing to be expected for a young company. And I think the way that they handled introducing Wardlow to the masses and utilizing him, I think, has been one of the bigger missteps that they've had. I think uh, a person like that, you know, take Lance Archer, for instance, who we'll get to Lance Archer because I love the guy. Oh, yeah. Um, he's, he's devastating. And I'm saying... You know, Wardlow, you never saw the devastating side of Wardlow, even though he came in to be that enforcer type mm-hmm. character, much like the, uh, if you recall, um, when Devon Dudley broke away from Bubba Ray and kind of had Dave Batista, Deacon Batista. Oh, yeah. And he was the Reverend side. Devon. And he wore the. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. That was still, I was still in then. Right. And so I kind of saw that. Um, MJF Wardlow thing kind of kind of a la that storyline which has been you know replicated many times throughout wrestling history and they just mishandled it and then they have him lose the cage match to Cody which everybody knew he was gonna lose that match going into it they oh, were yeah. gonna get the Cody MJF payoff you know I think AEW would have set themselves apart by being ballsy and having Wardlow win that match yeah that would have been a great turn I I also think um, him not having any matches before that match really killed his oh, his yeah. look. Like they should have had him squash a couple people before he faced off against Cody, like they're doing with Lance Archer right now. Right, and they could have had Wardlow in that match, and they could have drawn out this MJF Cody storyline for even longer. Which I'm sure they're gonna come back to it. I'm I'm you know there's almost no way they don't. Like I said, you know. See, I think I think Double or Nothing was going to be the catalyst to further along that storyline. I think he was going to have to have something to do with, um, with the elite and the inner circle uh, coming together. Maybe screwing Cody out of something in this blood and guts match that was supposed to happen, or anything to where um, yeah. Double or Nothing would have been MJF and Cody too. Would have been my guess of where things were going. I don't know if you listened to where I... Um, so, Blood and Guts was supposed to be in... Rod, not Rochester. Rochester was supposed to be Brody Lee's debut. Yeah, that, was, that was March 18th. That was supposed to be Bro- that was Brody Lee's debut, but not in Rochester. He and Mac both came out that night. It was New Jersey, wasn't it? Or Newark? 
Are you talking about blood and guts? Yeah, blood and guts. Uh, I think that was New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, and it was it was um, supposed to be on March twenty fifth. Oh, yeah, that was supposed to be the following week. Yep, I think blood and guts would have taken uh, the inner circle elite feud and finally got it over with, and then double or nothing would have went towards Cody and MJF finishing their storyline. And I think they would have went with uh, Matt versus Hangman or Hangman turning on Kenny uh, at Double or Nothing for Young Bucks, Kenny and Omega 2. I think they would have been a lot of revisiting with uh, Double or Nothing. I I saw the Young Bucks going heel before anything. I thought the Hangman page was going to be too obvious of a, a heel turn. I'll tell you, one of the most... There's been a few excellent heel turn executions um over the course of wrestling obviously and you were not watching at the time obviously but uh, <laughs> seth rollins turning on the shield you know wwe to their credit had done a really good job of building up dean ambrose who's now john moxley as this super unstable character you know roman reigns kind of being uh, the guy who's getting tired of it and seth rollins kind of being the raw raw glue guy trying to hold everybody together and it was a beautifully executed heel turn um, and you kind of start, you know, with that said, you would go into that thinking that Dean Ambrose or Moxley now was going to be the one that pulled the trigger on the heel turn. And I think that's was kind of what they were doing with the hangman thing. It became very obvious, especially at the end of that revolution match. You know, it looked like he was about to give him the, you know, the clothesline, uh, before he turned around and said, kind of, come on, come on. Oh yeah. The buckshot, man. That, yeah. that's one of my, I love hangman now hangman. If they would have gave him that title at the beginning versus Jericho, it would have killed him, killed his whole career. And now he's yeah. so over cowboy shit is one of the best chants in all of wrestling right now. Yes, and, and the buckshot lariat is one of the best finishers. Oh yeah. Uh, that f- it, it, go ahead. I was just going to say to cap off, you know, that point is, you know, they, I think they were laying the groundwork for what you would think was the obvious turn. Mm -hmm. I think the unobvious turn uh, is going to be the young bucks, you know, that's, uh, Oh yeah. But it's hard to speculate on what would have happened. Could have been Kenny, man. We could have got the old heel Kenny who was that fucking one hitter quitter with that one wing angel, man. I miss, I miss heel Kenny for sure yeah I'm, I'm, uh, the other Zach is what I want to call him but the other Zach he basically he hates the plane to the crowd he hates the happy-go-lucky Kenny he wants the shades the cleaner he wants that Kenny Omega back oh, yeah dude I'm one of those weird people where I like it like the Michael Nakazawa match that we got last week a lot of people hated it but the ratings was the highest ratings of both shows was Michael Nakazawa doing the hentai slide? <laughs> he lubed up that fucking. Uh... <laughs> you know, it was, yeah, it was weird to see people talking about like that choice for that tag match, and I was like, it was great. I thought, you know, it definitely harkened back to, you know, some of their roots and where they all got together. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, with that said, I am a fan of heel Kenny all day long. Um, I feel that way about everybody. You know, you and I both. I think we probably you know, find ourselves leaning more towards the heel characters, you know, and being fans of theirs. I think heel Seth Rollins is a much better Seth Rollins, for instance. No Seth Rollins is the best. <laughs> <laughs> if, he, if he had a voice modulator, he'd be a little bit better. He does sound whiny. It was, okay, so when he was a baby face, did he have the blonde hair still? Um, 
Yes, he had the blonde streak that started the blonde mm-hmm. half hair when he started with the shield. Um, and then I think it was just a small streak. And then when he became, you know, when he sold out to the authority as part of that storyline, he was doing the, the two tone. And then eventually he became all black during that time. Super heel. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he works as a heel, man. But the problem is, you know, you created a wrestling environment where it's hard to believe the 217 pound heel without muscle behind them. You know, exactly. Uh, you know, cause that's just, I mean, what you're not going to have a heel go over clean at 217 pounds over everybody. It's just, you know, you paint yourselves into a corner with that storyline, which is, which is why I like what AEW is doing. And, and that's kind of segueing to what I want to talk about with Lance Archer. I, I'm so impressed. So oh impressed yeah. The, the murder Hawk, man, everybody dies. <laughs> Just the way that they packaged him, the way that they built him up, pairing him with Jake the Snake was 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 the right call, obviously there. And they they're building him up as this like credible monster heel, singles heel, you know. Oh uh, yeah. Luchasaurus being the other kind of monster that they have, but obviously, uh, you know, playing that face, he playing that face monster, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, He's looking for his tail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Do you watch I, BTE? Yeah, being the elite. Yeah, I watched being the elite. Okay, um, good. <laughs> but uh, I take BTE. What? Um, I like the Marco match, man. A lot of people gave it shit. Like, why would you do that to Marco's stunt? But it made Lance Archer look like a fucking giant. You know, I think he that dude has star written all over him to me. You know, there are certain people that come in that are undeniable. Um and they've just done a good job with him. Obviously, I think we're going to see a, a Cody, Cody Lance Archer finals in the TNT. Oh yeah, that's, that's where it's headed. A, that's not meant to be a spoiler alert. That's just my humble, <laughs> humble opinion and prediction. It's either him or Darby Allen. Darby Allen could sneak one away, and it could be, and then they could force because they're still trying to do double or nothing. I don't know if you saw the mm-hmm. new trailer, so they might have Lance Cody. For that TNT title first match at double or nothing. So he could lose. Because I don't think Sammy is going to win versus Darby Allen. I don't think don't that's think going to so happen. Either. Darby's too over, but I don't see. I'm trying to think of the bracket. I don't see. I don't. I don't see it any other way other than Lance Archer versus Cody Rhodes. And they've been. They've, you know, obviously started that storyline with Jake the Snake, you know, a couple months ago. Um, and, and I'd like to get your opinion on that. I think, you know, me personally, I think the right call is to put the belt on Archer. You know, you have your, your face slash neutral world champ and you have your heel mid card champ. You know, it doesn't work if both are faces and both are heels. So I, I, I think definitely he's getting it And uh, another hint of why I think he is, is because they had, uh, on that, that whiteboard, uh, all the ideas when they were like talking about the TNT champion, um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of little hints there leading towards uh, Cody versus Archer. Uh, mm-hmm. I, this next, because we got two um, tournament matches next week. Uh, it'll be Sammy and Darby, and then you have the Kip and Dustin match. Yes. Um, if Sammy wins, it's going to be Cody versus Lance. But I guarantee if Darby wins this match, they're going to pull something to where Darby's beating Cody and going in for that title so they can give Lance... Uh, that TNT title clean to where they haven't beat the biggest baby face in all of pro wrestling. And they're going to further that storyline um, for a pay-per-view match and give them this big blow off. The, the problem is, the problem is it makes too much sense for, 
for Darby to lose to Sammy Guevara, uh, given their past history. Um, you know, it's really easy for, you know, a face not to lose any momentum if he loses by, you know, dastardly acts, if you will, by mm-hmm. the heels and, and their partners. So I, I just think you have a much better, you save Darby Allen's character a lot more by having him go out to Sammy Guevara, uh, you know, with the help of the rest of the IC. Um, and with that said, you know, cause the, as far as Archer is concerned, he shouldn't need the help. He's the, the big bad monster heel and you're not going to feed him. Darby Allen, who's like a skyrocket right now, you're not going to feed him to Archer. That's that's bad booking, in my opinion. I, I th- the only reason I think it would work is because of the uh, the match that he had with John Moxley, where Moxley beat the piss out of him, and he kept coming. The match that he had with Chris Jericho, uh, it was supposed to tag with Mox not oh, too long yeah, ago. The yeah, now. and they beat the fuck out of him, and he kept getting back up. What I'm thinking he's going to do is. Lance Archer's finally going to break that spirit of Darby Allens, and we're going to get to see a new side. I, I just think it's, I think it's got to be Darby versus Lance because why would you waste this big match with no fans, with nothing going? You know what I mean? Because then the biggest storyline right now that they have going, because they don't have any other storylines really besides Hager and Mox, they're going to ki- it's it'll be done. It'll be over with. He'll beat Cody because there's no way Cody's getting that TNT title. He's just he, he. It's like he doesn't want to book himself into the title. <laughs> he doesn't need it. He's he's rather untouchable as far as his status. He's the best. Is um, <laughs> <laughs> he's not the best wrestler. <laughs> no, dude, he's his promos literally make me believe in pro wrestling every single time. I just don't know what it is. I buy all of his shit. I I'm I'm in. <laughs> he's a great promo. He's a he's a great promo, and I think he's technically. Very sound. I just don't think if he's not telling us if he's not telling a story with with blood and like very extreme circumstances, uh, he he doesn't do a good job at selling a match. So yeah, I'll give you pace, that. He doesn't pace matches that don't have gimmicks well, and you can you can see it during Dynamite actually. Um, if he doesn't have anybody around the ring to Spears match should have been fucking amazing. Dude. Oh yeah. Been an a plus like those two were capable of putting that match and they just don't seem to click. You know, so. I think they're too much the same. It's a very Spider-Man meme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there... Spears is another guy that I think is, I think he's a great talent, man. All the little tiny stuff that he does, all the talking, all the, the way, wait waits or the, uh, when he, uh, who he was, it was the Billy Gunn dark match. He chopped the fuck out of him and goes, uh, sorry. <laughs> like you just don't get that little shit from anybody else. It's like, they're thinking about the next thing, the next move, the next high spot. They're not thinking of all the in-between stuff. I think he does that correct. I just don't know how he went from being the most talked about person when he smacked Cody in the head with that chair to now only dark matches and everybody seems to undersell him, especially yeah, on Twitter. It's strange. Um, and to me is an, another point why you, you know, I don't think the Darby Allen story plays out the way that you're saying is I think they've got a lot of good heels right now on the roster. Um, and I just think Darby gets lost in the heel shuffle. Um, He's not a heel. No, but you were talking about him, his spirit getting broken and pushing him to the dark side is what I was saying. I don't think, 
You know, oh, I think the story plays out that way. I, I'm not saying him going to the dark side. I'm saying he finally breaks Darby Allen to where you you just get to see uh, a different, a lot more vignettes. Him having a vendetta against um, Lance Archer. Like you're the one who finally broke my uh, not spirit, but basically my the reason why I get up every single time and I got to get that back, kind of thing, and then go after the. You know the 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 guy that he, you know what I mean. I I just think that would be it just makes sense to me because if they kill this Cody versus Archer, what else do we have to look forward to? In my opinion, because everybody else is stuck in fucking quarantine. That's true. So, well, let's talk about let's talk some AEW. I just want to get your opinion on some things here. Um, who is the champion at going into twenty twenty one? Who is the champion? going yes, into then so who beats moxley is or or does moxley keep the belt um i think he loses it before then um and i think he loses it to somebody who's uh another face i think it, it'll be a big surprise if they do it that way because if they if he loses to a heel it'll be very you know very pro wrestling i think he's gonna lose to somebody that's either another face or I don't. I don't know if the things keep going the way that they're going. I don't think we you get a title change because there's not enough talent there. Everybody's stuck in their little ways. Like Kenny can't really face him again because he's a fucking he's part of the tag champs, and they got to f- continue that storyline. It's interesting you say that because I think the two most likely candidates would be your Pedro Omega to take the belt off of Mox. If they drop the title belts, I think if they drop them to the Bucks. I don't even think the Bucks. I understand where people are coming with the Bucks, but you know, I see. I know you're wearing your Young Bucks shirt right now, but uh, <laughs> uh, my, know, one of my I, 17 different. <laughs> I, I'm, as far as tag team wrestling is concerned, I I think the Lucha Bros are the best tag team on the show. I think they're second uh, best for sure. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and I think people will always say Young Bucks, Lucha Bros is your one-two there, um, but man, they have grossly misused. Especially Pentagon, you gotta feel sorry for him. You know? Oh, dude, I think Pentagon is a superstar. That oh. I I have just as many fucking um, Lucha Bro shirts as I do anybody else. I think they are a gem in AEW. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why they have to book them the way they do is because their AAA contract is shit. I don't know if you know about their AAA contract, but they can't do anything. The guy basically uh trademarked any name any name variation that they could have he basically owns every part of them the guy that runs AAA. so until all those contracts go out i don't think they'll ever get titles in AEW. i don't think they'll ever be uh a, a bigger than where they are because of the way that the AAA will just pull out i mean they were literally for a while booking this same exact matches in AAA. They would have Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros in AEW and then the next pay-per-view for AAA they'd run this same exact match, ladder match, and it was like it, it was really weird. It was super weird. And I know uh Kenny Kenny Omega is the AAA Mega Champion, which that belt right. looks like shit. Yeah. It looks like something he bought from Walmart. <laughs> well, you know, 
it's what I'm reading here is it says Lucha Brothers are to work exclusively in Mexico for AAA for the whole year of 2020 uh, for their contract. Um, so we'll see how that we'll see how that plays out. Well, I know they're stuck there anyways. They can't leave. Yeah. Because of quarantine. Yeah, but I mean, I think about uh, think about Penta's run as the Impact Champion. Man, it was amazing. I watched some of their matches. I think they're yeah. so good. Uh, I think it was oh, them versus LAX. Was good yeah, stuff. They got neutered since AEW. I've been trying to figure that one out too. Like, I would like to see them as faces, man. They're gr- yeah, they're great. But like I said, they've just they've they're in the shadow of Jericho. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because Jericho's fucking he's dude. He's firing on another level. This is the. Yeah, this is the best I've ever seen him since back when he had that top ponytail back in the day in his feuds with The Rock and Austin and Triple H. Oh, and yeah. His debut his debut on WWF back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, coming out and interrupting The Rock. I've watched that. Uh, every year, BR always puts um, you know the video for that on the anniversary of it, and it just gives me goosebumps every time I watch it. Just oh yeah, I remember wa- that was one of the ones I watched live because uh, I didn't get Raw; I only had SmackDown. Because EPN, baby, yeah, EPN, <laughs> you were the one. I think you were the one who either told me about it or it was. I had to rig up your TV, your antenna, so we can pick it up. Or yeah, whatever. that's what it was. I think you were over that night because the my first memory of wrestling was. Uh, I think episode one SmackDown because I didn't know who anybody was. I know we played the games, um, but I didn't know storylines. I didn't know anything. And the rock is actually the one guy who got me in. He's my Hulk Hogan. He's the one who got me into wrestling. He came down and told triple H he was going to lube the title up and stick it straight up his candy ass. And I was like, that's my guy right there. (laughs) He's wearing this, the $7,000 shirt or whatever it was. He's great, man. He has so much charisma. <laughs> Anything he was pitching, I'd buy it. Oh, yeah. Anything. Um, okay, more questions about AEW. Who wins at the end of the TNT tournament? Who is the TNT champion? Oh, Lance Archer, obviously. It's got to be Lance Archer. They wouldn't yeah. They wouldn't make him into this big monster to give it to – Cody doesn't need a title at all. He's, I mean, he already uh, proved that with his thing with Jericho, even though I had my shirt and my hat on and I was tweeting about, come on, Cody, just get the title. It was too early for him to take it. I knew he wasn't going to win, but uh, he doesn't need it, man. He doesn't need any of those titles. I really, I really think Lance Archer. Sorry. No worries. I agree. I would agree. Question three, who takes the tag belts off of Hangman, Adam Page and Kenny Omega? I think the Young Bucks do. I think that's their segue into being champs because then they're not beating any actual talents. You know what I mean? They're not established tag teams. They're uh, two singles guys thrown into the tag division, became champs. They get. It's also a very WWE thing where you see those two guys beat the the current champs and then they segue into another tag team. That way they don't have to beat each other. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, that way yeah. the Young Bucks aren't beating SCU for the title and taking... Um, yeah, and, and, and the storyline writes itself. Again, I, in my opinion, you see a Bucks turn. Um, you know, chairs, weapons, whatever. Or whatever the case may be. You see a Bucks turn, and that's how they win the belt. And it frees both Omega and Paige up to you know, move on to move on to different storylines, you know, albeit uh, the AEW World Championship 
title scene or you know the TNT championship scene. But obviously, both of those guys um, are going to be heavily involved in the single side of AEW here. Oh yeah, I I think you, I think you have it backwards. I think Hangman, Kenny Omega turn on each other, then you get Hangman versus Kenny Omega in a big uh, Iron Man type fucking match like him and Pac. I think you get that. And then I think you get um, Hangman, Sean Spears, and the Revival as the new four horsemen. I mean, Hangman Page is a fucking horse. <laughs> it would make sense. <laughs> I don't know. That's, with, a, that's, that's, that's quite the, you know, that would tend to fit in with, you know, obviously the reports and, and Sean Spears doing the whole you know, who's my next partner, you know, kind of yep. testing that he's doing right now. The storyline does seem to lend some credibility to what you're saying. I think that's a few steps ahead of, of what I'm thinking. And you know, <laughs> I've learned over the years not to, not to put eggs in that kind of basket, but that's certainly, you know, the revivals come in there. Oh, cer- certainly, certainly. But I think they're, you know, does it become a four new four horsemen versus like, original elite with you know omega and cody being on the elite because you know the revival bucks you know um matches kind of write themselves from the mm-hmm. way that they were tweeting at each other over the past couple of years you know and revival showing up with a hashtag ftr trunks which was a genius move oh yeah by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my favorite was the cody in his sleep going all right everybody everybody say it with me one Two, fuck the revival yeah <laughs> it's the best little snippet in bte ever <laughs> it is. it's a good one you know and, and, and so i see i see the but i guess that would make sense you would think that the revival whatever they're going to be called i know what they're going by as far as their singles names are concerned but i wonder if they'll give their team a name here in AEW. but uh you know that i think they automatically do come in as heels so i guess that would make sense for for the Bucks to maintain face and that, uh, well, they have to. Picture. Everybody knows that they they're kids. They know their whole story. BTE is getting, such a big. They're getting booed though, man. You cannot deny that. Oh, they got booed because Hangman and Kenny are so fucking over. They are like Rock and Austin status going against whatever tag team. At least in AEW, I'm not saying. Mm-hmm. They don't get pops like Austin does, obviously. He right. he still steals the show every time he comes to Raw and smacks a couple beers and leaves. He, <laughs> he gets yeah. the loudest fucking pops. But I just meant, like, everybody wanted them to keep the titles. Everybody wants, wanted them to win against SEU. They were just that perfect storm that came in. They made that tag team. Uh, I, I don't know what you would call them because they don't have a name for their tag team yet, right. but <laughs> um, I just think it was great, man. It was just that perfect, perfect little alignment of the stars that made it the way it was. And the BTE writing and the little sn- segments and snippets of you seeing them uh, fight against the elite and you see the hangman turn that you don't know if it's coming. You don't know if Kenny's going to turn on hangman or if Kenny's going to get turned on by the bucks. I mean, that whole thing at the end of revolution, that match was beautiful. You had three different ways that the storyline can go in, in like a, a two minute part at the end. It was genius. It was good, it was good storytelling. And you know, I it makes you wonder like, what's the plan all along to give the belts to page and omega like who knows you know I yeah think, uh, i don't know I, I, 
you wonder how much of this has been like thought out as far as like long term is concerned. I think uh, I think it'd be interesting to get into the minds of of you know those who are creating, if you will. I think they're great at pivoting. Is the key point. I think they don't. If they know something's not working, like the fucking nightmare collective, yeah. they pivot. They're like, okay, it's over with. Obviously, it's it's not going they, well. They um, tend to be doing a lot of factions, though. You know, I've been noticing <laughs> that they they try to push a lot of factions, and and WWE has been actually doing this lately as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just wonder, like, okay, like, am I paying all these guys so I got to get them on TV just to like, you know, say we're paying them to do something or what? You know, but. Uh, it tends to, unless they're going to bring, you know, a six-man tag, you know, championship to AEW, which I know a lot of people would like to see. It's had a lot of success in ROH. Um, and as a matter of fact, as far as I'm concerned, I think six-man tag matches are way more interesting on the whole than traditional tag matches. But they both have their, you know, ups and downs. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't you can't write a master class with a six-man tag the way you can with a, you know, traditional tag team match. But, oh, yeah. Uh, but you would like to see something come out of like all these factions starting. Um, well, I think that was supposed to happen at the end of the year. They said six man tags um, in a couple interviews that six man tags, and once they got a woman's division settled in to get a woman's tag, just a normal tag going. But they're struggling with that women's division. I think that has been their very big Achilles heel even prior to the coronavirus outbreak. Oh yeah, it's because they don't they didn't have any stars. They were all every single person there was a no-named girl really. I mean, you didn't have anybody to come down there and make them all stars and you didn't have a show that wasn't on TV for however long NXT was on the network as this developmental they weren't supposed to be stars yet. You know what I mean? So when they go against people who've already had years in uh, working, I mean, uh, a couple of these girls are only two years, three years in the business, mm-hmm. and they're on live fucking TV for the first time. They're fucking up. Like, Britt Baker can't get her shit together to save her oh, life. Yeah. Man, if she, if she could have been rocket strapped had she gotten her. She oh, yeah. She, she's got the look, she's, and she's, she's Adam Cole's better. girlfriend. Her, her promos are doing a lot better. Um, I think somebody else is writing them for her finally. Well, I think, and then Jericho has been great on commentary. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, he's been great on commentary like all together, but he's done a good job with the Britt Baker program actually. Oh yeah. um, Which kind of speaks to, speaks to his genius that he's been able to reinvent himself and continue kind of being the jack of all trades. He's insane. He's, he's nuts. Him and Tony uh, Skiavone is what he's calling him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes um but wait we pivoted off of this hangman thing and and young bucks pretty fast i had a point yeah. um and it was the revival that's what we were talking about so if if you make them even if maybe they could have mjf they could have a Wardlow turn against uh mjf and do this four horsemen because you got Tolly only managing spears doesn't make sense i know you said they have a lot of factions um and you know uh this four horsemen thing back in the day was everybody needs to have gold. It's all about winning. Um, and I think that's what this faction can be about. It wouldn't be so much as a, a straight up heel thing. I mean, they would all act like heels and do anything to win, but I think it would be more about, uh, going after tag titles and going after single titles, um, rather than some kind of elaborate 
storylines and stuff like that. It would just be purely, we want to be the best. We're going to beat the best, you know, stuff like that. The interesting thing is, um, especially with two uh, companies going head to head, is you actually uh, recently just saw that style of storyline come to the come to an end with the undisputed era. You know where they were holding all the gold. I know you weren't watching NXT, but the undisputed era was holding all the gold in NXT for a long, long, long while. Um, you know, and kind of were, you know, not not toting themselves around, comparing themselves themselves to the four horsemen, but you could definitely get get that vibe from that group you know who's so, yeah. who's the title is keith lee still the title holder he's the north american champion that's what um, it is which i like him the, too yeah which is the equivalent to the a mid card i guess for nxt um and adam cole is still the nxt champ um baby yeah he's great <laughs> you know I see him. I see his character being better on AEW than the main roster of WWE, though. He won't make it up there. He's. Nah. I just don't think he will. I think that's why he stayed down there for so long. I think Triple H knows that this is my guy. Uh, this is my, you know. That, but that's what I mean about top heavy. I mean the, you know, realistically, like the only people that should be vying for that belt would be your Adam Cole's. You know, your Tomasa Champas, your Johnny Garganas, your Finn Balors of yep. the world, and your Keith Lee, and, you know, Matt Riddle to, the, to you know, to this point is still unproven. He's never even held, uh, you know, he's been a tag champ, but he's never held a singles title. Um, I think his mouth gets him into trouble too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't like the character either. The whole bro character just kind of just reminds me of somebody that I would not like to talk to. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I, I don't just don't like his character you know um but other than that i mean any anybody under that is just so far away mm-hmm. from that level and i think they're really painting themselves into a corner um with that roster they need to figure that out you know AEW has depth through and through mm-hmm. you know their mid card is, is fire i mean hell we started talking about that pack orange cassidy match earlier and just yeah it's hard to call them mid carters but that's i mean that's what they are they're not they're not the elite. They're not the top of the inner circle. They're not Moxley. They're not, mm-hmm. you know, Kenny. And even Hangman is starting to become part of that top tier. He started off as a, a mid-carder that really nobody gave a shit about. Some of his matches, like his Pac uh, matches that he were he was having with him were great. But nobody gave a shit because he didn't have a storyline. They just had the, I want to beat you, you want to beat me, bullshit. Well, that. I think people were seeing Hangman at the time as still as rather undeserving of a top tier position. Are, are you know just hadn't hadn't paid their dues that way. But I think uh, he's definitely changed that narrative, and people are people are ready to buy into Hangman. Obviously, oh yeah, um, so, that's who my hey, wife likes. Yeah, he's I love Hangman. <laughs> yeah, that brings me to my next point. I think the next champion is a non is a person that does not have WWE history. I think they're going to oh, yeah, sure. um, officially break away, if you will, so to speak, from, you know, I, I won't say relying on ex-WWE guys, you know, because that's just circumstantial, you know. They're relying on seasoned, seasoned veterans who have experience in front of a camera, but, you know, that connotation is never going to go away, those ex and former WWE guys mm-hmm. who they've been, they've been resting on since inception, and I think they are ready to pass the torch to their people, um, 
you know, it's obviously going to be a slow burn. You know, they definitely need to build up their viewership on a regular basis. Like I said, I think they'd like to hit that 1 million mark. Um, you know, and, and, and TNT is great. Not necessarily the easiest to access for everybody on every cable package or anything like that. But uh, I think if they had better lead-ins, the show would do better. They play fucking Transformers before they play Dynamite every fucking week. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If they had another show that was must-see TV to bring mm-hmm. n- not, you know, to casual view- viewers, something to bring more people to TNT. Because that's the highest rated show on that network is oh, yeah. AEW Dynamite. So it would it would be beneficial for them to put some more original programming on TNT before Dynamite each week and make it a, right. a Wednesday their night instead of like Friday night or whatever. I think they just play movies all the time. I don't know what else is on <laughs> TNT. Movie before, movie after. Yeah, yeah it's weird. Yeah, uh, I know they have the Hot Ones show uh, comes on after here and I, there. I think it comes... It's a... Um... A true TV show, which yep. obviously is all Turner Broadcasting. I like TBS and True TV and TNT. They actually do the um, March Madness tournaments on all those networks. Oh, well. yeah. Uh, Would that affect uh, Dynamite? Is Wednesday the only night that they don't have basketball? I, I don't know shit about that. <laughs> you I neither just, do I. I just eat chicken, <laughs> I eat chicken wings, drink beer, and watch basketball during that time. So oh, yeah. That's the way to do it. But I think uh, AEW is at that point where they're ready to stop. Um, relying on ex-WWE guys. I think Moxley's going to be the champ for a healthy amount of time. Um, oh, yeah, they have to. I, Big Platinum, man. They got to give it that prestige, uh, you know, higher-ranking uh, yeah. feeling to it instead of changing it every other but, fucking... But Jericho held it for a, for a long while, which was nice to see. Um, and, and to be frank with you, like, they all, they very much made the right call, you know, by having Jericho as the inaugural champion there. Um, oh yeah, I think every move that they've made has been good. Keeping Omega out of the title picture is a good move. You know, I mean, I can't wait just, to him to hold that damn title though. Oh, it's gonna be so special, dude. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it wouldn't have been special if he was the inaugural champ. It was. Mm-hmm. I think that was a lot of folks' expectation, and and the fact that it didn't go down that way um, was great. Maybe that maybe that's who takes it off a of Mox. Maybe that's maybe. maybe you get that heel turn. To give yeah. Mox the heel to uh, to go against, you know, or or some la- somebody like an MJF. I, I still don't think he's as over as he likes to think he is. Um, I think he still has some uh, some way to go before he's top guy. I he just still screams mid Carter. I mean, his promo skills and he's like a heel at all times. I get it, but I still don't see him as a top tier guy. I, I haven't seen him wrestle as a top tier talent besides that uh, match he had with Jungle Boy. Uh, I felt like you were looking at the five to seven years down the line, you know, Cody and uh, Jericho kind of thing. The two top level guys going at it, it would be Jungle Boy and MJF. I think it's the future of AEW. That's for damn sure. Yeah, and you know what? It's interesting. Uh, you talk about top tier matches, and the Omega Jericho match at Wrestle Kingdom twelve was was phenomenal. But you know, I haven't seen Kenny Omega have a you know match of the year kind of match since his uh, Kazuchika Okada match from rest, from the prior Wrestle Kingdom actually uh, in two thousand eighteen. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal match, and you know. 
his Jericho match was great. Everything he's been done AEW is has been great. He's a quality worker, obviously. But you know, I'm just I'm ready for that 45 minute, you know, Kenny one, Omega classic. The know? one that he had with Pac on that episode of Dynamite show opener, yeah. Iron Man Iron match. match. Oh, that was that was that was a great match. But th- that match lacked a longer and more a structurally sound foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, very much to what you were saying, Pac and Paige. You know, it's like here's two guys that just hate each other because they hate each other. Yep. You know, and and they they finish that, and they haven't said a word about that feud since then. You know, um, it takes time to get your footing. I would think to you know for storylines to come to fruition, it's not going to happen right away. So I think there were times earlier on in AEW history. Um, you know, where you just having wrestling matches for the sake of having wrestling matches, you know, here's our talent and here's what we're all about. And I think, you know, some of those matches, including that pack, uh, Omega match kind of fell under that, uh, umbrella there. You know, here's two of our best technical wrestlers. They can go for an hour. You know, here's a good hour long. Match. Yeah. I think it was just to show people cause he was getting a lot of criticism of where's the old Kenny Omega. You don't have it anymore. You can't do that shit anymore. And I think they went out there just to show we still have this in the canon uh, for later on. Just don't 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 you worry about it. Um, I want to see Omega heal, man. Omega heal is the worker. I, I that's money. It's money, Omega, man. Heal Omega taking the belt off of Moxley. You know, to me, is the next logical step for AEW. I kind of pose that question: Who takes the belt off? And the truth was, I can't see Paige or Omega doing the honors there. Um, but I, I think I think Omega's the the first non WWE guy, mm-hmm. even though he was a big South guy. Um, <laughs> first non WWE guy to uh, have to you watched his there. promos? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, they're god they're awful. Great, man. They're great. They're great to watch. Oh my god. <laughs> With his blonde curly hair. He looks the same, dude. He looks exactly <laughs> the same. I th- I think. So I watched a lot of his stuff where uh, a lot of his interviews and stuff like that that were in Japanese where he was speaking to Japanese people. I think he is a Japanese guy living in an American body. You know what I mean? Like he spent so much time over there. He tells stories like a Japanese guy does. He doesn't tell stories like a normal American wrestler. And I think that's his only downfall with Kenny Omega. The heel Kenny Omega is easy. I think it's easier in this business to be a heel than it is uh, a face. That's for sure. It's easy to get the cheap heat. It's easy to cut better promos as a heel. I mean, look at Britt Baker. She couldn't cut a face promo to save her fucking life or her job. I I felt like they kept sticking her out there. Like you're going to go out there and make a fool of yourself until you fucking get it right. And the heel promos are better. They're not good. (laughs) No, They're better. How would you you rate? I mean, obviously, on a curve, given the circumstances of the coronavirus, but, you know, on a, on like just a normal school scale of like, you know, A to F, A being the best, where do you rate the current state of AEW in the world of pro wrestling? I think it's a solid B. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's an A plus every single time. They miss a lot of things here and there, a lot of things that could be easily handed. I think it's their... The way that they segment their shows sometimes, too. I, I, I think some things need to be in different places. Um, I do think that the women's division is one of the big 
things that makes their product a B product. Like if they just don't have it, why do they keep putting it on TV? That's what I don't understand. Obviously, they got to put it all out there because of, you know, most of their fans are women. I see a lot of women on Twitter. I mean, I wouldn't say most. It's probably like 35% or something like that. But they got to put it out there. They have the talent to do it, blah, blah, blah. I just don't see if you... They're not, there's no storylines, really, besides the little... I mean, the little tiny bit of TV time that they get to put these women's storylines together. And everybody fucking hates it. They shit all over them constantly. Like, they should just have either a separate show for them or figure it out before you fucking put it on TV. I just don't... I don't understand what the problem is, though. They have great, talented people. Hikaru Shida is awesome. Chris Statlander is great. Oh, yeah. The gimmick... I even don't mind the gimmick. The boop in the ref before each match was cool. I don't know. It's something different. thing is great i just think she's got she's got it yeah it's it's hard to shove everything into two hours oh yeah and 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 i wish that they would utilize aew dark better for their women Mm -hmm. Um, that seems to me that seems like the easiest answer if you're not going to give them time on wednesday night on tnt um give them time on dark because the dark shows are actually doing pretty well on youtube as well but it's 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 a way to introduce you know if you you mentioned earlier that their roster is filled with no names and folks who have been a lot of folks who have been doing it for just a handful of years and are super green. Mm-hmm. You know, and even even in the earlier pay per views, they relied heavily on um, you know Japanese talent and other talent from other productions or from other promotions um, to kind of fill out their pay per views. And now that they're running with their own roster, they seem to be struggling. As a matter of fact, I would you know I would I would actually tend to agree with that. I would say their women's division, if it's you know. Uh, D minus on the on the you know nice side. I think they've they've oh yeah close to an F at the moment <laughs> as far as how they've handled handled that. The tag team, you know, I think singles and tag team are hovering around your B plus to A minus range for sure. Yeah, um, you know, on a consistent basis. Obviously, you know, I don't think they ever go lower than that. Besides, like, uh, I mean, if it, it just depends who's in the ring, I guess. When you can tell this is just a either a squash straight up or it's two people that you don't care about because they haven't given them story time, like a Jimmy Havoc versus Michael Nakazawa on TV. You know what I mean? Something like that. People are going to go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> right. Right. Is, uh, who's, who's Jimmy Havoc wrestling next week? Is it Orange Cassidy? Uh, yeah, uh, I yeah, believe. So I believe they're wrestling next week, even though, you know, it's nice to get anybody during this time, you know, storyline or not, you know, you got to appreciate. Oh, yeah. The, know, right doing. now is way different. But I, I wish they would have, instead of hiring Jimmy Havoc and then making, like Jimmy Havoc, have you ever watched any of his matches? No, I'm not. I'm not a historical Jimmy Havoc guy. He's an extreme deathmatch guy. He's not, he can re- technically wrestle and all that stuff, but he is a blood and light bulbs and... You know what I mean? He's a really tear it up kind of guy. They should let him be that. They shouldn't like make him be from CZW days. Yeah, it's 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 worse than that. It's the staple gun was very mild compared to all the other shit that he was doing. Um, they should have let him do that. They should have let Joey Janela. I felt like got really hot for a minute, and then he started wrestling almost completely on dark. And his big feud with Kip Sabian went straight on to dark instead of being on a pay-per-view. 
And well, I mean, let's let's face it. I mean, the hierarchy of AEW has very much, you know, though took a while to unfold, has very much unfolded in front of us. And you know, the fact of the matter is, like, the main card, it's gonna it's gonna end up being you know, very much like WWF or WWE rather, you know, where you're going to have your obvious main event players. You're going to have your obvious mid card guys and you're going to have, you know, your lower tier guys. And that's, that's just the nature of the business. I think Mm -hmm. in a perfect world, everybody would get utilized equally. Everybody will get used equally. Uh, you know, just like a not whole, not whole baseball for kids, but, uh, that's not going to happen. You know, like I was saying there, um, there's going to be your main event guys, your very obvious mid card guys and your very obvious low card guys. And that's just going to be the way it is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and a- again, uh, AEW's unfolded slowly, but now is very obvious. And I think you're going to see, you know, guys like Janela and the Lucha express guys, um, Lucha express, um, Jurassic express. Sorry. I <laughs> combined Lucha bros and Jurassic express. Jurassic Express guys and the like of those guys, you're going to see them kind of toil around in the mid card scene for a while because I think their their main card scene is pretty stacked at the moment. I think they uh, need another show that isn't live crowd oriented. I think if they did, almost like how the Performance Center was a you know uh, a thing where you had a steady crowd that was small that they got to use their mid-card guys or their lower-tier guys is what the whole show is based on. Uh, And they've talked about that in some of the TNT uh, Cody Rhodes calls where he's like, I think it'll be kind of like what NXT was. And I think that's exactly what they're going to go for. They're Mm -hmm. going to give a platform to where they'll have a small crowd, but it's not a traveling thing that they can build people up and then put them on dynamite, build feuds, to dynamite, especially with the smaller guys and put more women's matches on there. Uh, and they could pump out a lot more content than just having two or three dark matches mm-hmm. on every show that they show the following week. Um, it's kind of a system that it, it still has it, it not enough time. Cause you can't expect people to go to an arena and sit there for five hours because you want to have a bunch of dark matches. You know, I always thought, interestingly enough, I always thought that two hours was the sweet spot for a wrestling show, for a, for a live weekly show, you know, and um, Raw was a good example where sometimes the three-hour format like very much works in their favor, and sometimes it really, really doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think AEW is a company right now that, you know, could almost benefit maybe from having that extra hour. Um, oh, Yeah. You know, especially since they're running one show a week, you know, I think the thing for WWE that works in their favor when they want to go to the two hour format um, is that they're running multiple shows a week. You know, with AEW just running the one show a week, I think that third hour would do a lot for the rest of the roster. Because, I mean, let's face it, a lot of people, lower mid card guys really bought into the concept of AEW. Um, And at some point you're going to see people dismayed in the in the locker room you know not happy with the way that they're being utilized or the chances that they're not getting or chances that they're being passed over for like ultimately at the end of the day this is a business and you know when the new sheen wears off i think they're going to experience some some of the same problems that wwe has run into over the years yeah for sure i mean they got to do they got to bring it out somehow i i i think that's the pivot that they have to go in to get some of these talents and uh 
some of the people like that they've signed that have never even seen a ring yet, like that Anthony Agogo, that Olympic boxer that they signed. Sadie Gibbs hasn't had enough time. She's been training at the Nightmare Factory. God, Sadie Gibbs is so fucking hot. Do you have tw- <laughs> Do you have Twitter? Of course I do. Okay. I then don't you, follow her though. You don't. I don't sh- use Twitter that much. Uh, I um, literally I use. For wrestling, pretty much exclusively. Yeah, that's literally. I literally follow nothing but wrestlers on Twitter, and maybe like one or two music people, but I don't follow like anybody else really. And uh, it's it's all, dude. Twitter is so fucking hostile. It it's. Oh yeah, man. Dude, wrestling fans suck. IWC <laughs> <laughs> is. Is very opinionated and very ruthless, and think that they could write and produce a better show than the people who have been doing this forever. So, um, I take a lot of what the IWC says with a grain of salt. Um, I interact with a lot of them over uh, the BR app. I'm not sure if you spend any time on Bleacher Report. Um, um no, <laughs> it's just yeah, Twitter. <laughs> with the concept of Bleacher Report, I have the. Uh br live thing for my tv to watch the pay-per-views <laughs> well, br obviously being your sports news app um I, and you can comment and interact with a lot of fans but is it kind of like reddit um i not as detailed as reddit reddit is is a uh, <laughs> a black hole yeah. <laughs> oh yeah you can get lost in some threads in there if you want to feel good about yourself, don't go to Reddit. That's what I always say. So, I, or feel good about humanity for that. Yeah, IWC really bothers me. Um, you know, even though obviously I am part of the IWC, everybody is who interacts with wrestling on the internet is part of the IWC. Um, but I think there's a collective, a collective hive mind that you know really tries to enforce their opinions on the product. And I think to an extent, it's good that a company listens. You know, when they threw the belt on Kofi. When they threw the belt on Daniel Bryan, I think that uh, was really tragic what they did to Kofi. Oh, don't, yeah, don't even get me started. You, and you saw it. That was a WWE move that you saw coming from a mile away. Yep, I mean, they did it just to uh, pull like it's. It was almost like a race card. Like, oh, we gave it to him. We're taking it off yeah. of him right away. Oh, as, as soon as they announced the SmackDown um, live date for the first Fox SmackDown, I said, yeah, Kofi's losing the belt that night to Lesnar. Like, and they hadn't even started that feud yet, but you could just see it coming. You, you, you know, what else are they going to do? What's the biggest attraction that they had? And, yep. You know, obviously Brock Lesnar. They um, did that same thing to Booker T back in the day. They built this big feud where he was a baby face yeah. going against Triple H. And they literally said, like, people like you don't have gold or don't have the title like people like me. And it was very fucking racist. And Triple H, the biggest heel at that time, they've set this feud up for the big payoff. I mean, they had matches after matches to where he went through the gauntlet and he's supposed to have this payoff and win the fucking title. Triple H beats him and then they just buried him for the rest of the way down. And it's a really tragic... Booker T doesn't look at it that way because I guess you can't or else he'll just dwell on it. But after watching that kind of stuff happen. I'm like, it's never going to happen for anybody like that over there to be as big as you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's very one-sided in that arena. You know, know, um, 
I'm in a group chat on Facebook with uh, a handful of wrestling fans, uh, and I, I have a couple black friends who are in that chat as well. And that that seems to be a topic that comes up a lot about Vince uh, burying black wrestlers. Um, and it, it's horrible, it, man. It's horrible. I mean, hell, Booker came in as the champ during the acquisition. Five time champ. <laughs> oh my god, just treated like an afterthought. You know, I mean. You think about all the wrestlers, wrestlers throughout the years that like really never got the respect that they deserved, including like Farouk. I mean, hell, Farouk should have been a champion, mm-hmm. you know, during his days, and he was never anything other than a tag team champion. And you know, your critical misuse of, of Lashley, you know, credit to him. The New Day, he is he has stuck with New Day. Um, I think there are very ra- very strong racial undertones and overtones with their gimmick from the start, being mm-hmm. like. You know, that church choir, you know, traditionally black church choir gimmick to the, like, you know, the um, the hateful, the hateful black guys. I mean, there's definitely been some racial undertones in, in their in their act, which has been frustrating at times as a fan, mm-hmm. you know, but I, they've definitely obviously hit their stride these days. I'd say the New Day um, is probably the most overact in all of wrestling today, I would say. You go almost anywhere on the planet, you know, people know what New Day, know what Bootios is and all that stuff. <laughs> So, oh yeah. You know, credit, credit. You got to credit that. But yes, it took it has taken entirely too long, you know, for them to get to that point. And, and um, I also want to say, like, I don't mean just put it on him because oh, you just got to give him, you know, uh, the title. Just put it on somebody and and make him have a good run. There's been so many people that deserved it that didn't get it. That's the problem. And and I felt like they didn't get it just because they don't think it's a good uh, face for their company kind of thing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's strange. I mean, and he's always been one. Hell, think about Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal getting the title. And obviously, you weren't watching these days. But, you know, they announced this big deal in the uh, Indian market to bring their product there, bring, you know, tryouts there, performance center, all that good stuff. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, next thing you know, obviously, Jinder Mahal is Canadian, coincidentally enough, but uh, (laughs) of Indian descent. But, you know, he becomes a champion. Same thing with Alberto Del Rio back in the day when he was making a big push to the Latin market, you know, and he had Del Rio as a champ, Rey Mysterio as a champ. You know, really, Eddie Guerrero was kind of really the first Hispanic guy that kind of broke through the mold, you know? Oh, yeah. Vince did not like uh, having a Latin guy as the face of his company. And, and, you know, that kind of falls under the same guidelines, you know? Uh, (laughs) It seems very disingenuine all the times that minorities have held the belt inside of WWE. I've held the main strap, Mm -hmm. and it's been very unfortunate Oh yeah, uh, Mustafa Ali is one of the guys that I really like. Who kind of broke that mold on that stereotypical? I got to be the Indian guy. That's the bad guy. Uh, I remember an interview. It might have been on Talk Is Jericho, where he basically he talked about how he was at a show and he did the whole. Basically, it was like a Taliban guy that he was scaring people into thinking that he's the bad guy right off the bat. And he said something, um, he looked at a little kid in the front row, a little white kid in the front row, and the kid, like, put up his hands like he was actually scared, like he was ready to fight. And he goes, I'm teaching these people to hate people that look like me. Right, you're propagating that. Yeah, so he changed his gimmick completely up, and he's like, I'm never doing this again for any sort of paycheck. And uh, he's, he's fantastic, man. Mustafa Ali's another guy I think doesn't get pushed. Like Ricochet, who they've basically 
<laughs> they yeah. basically let him go. <laughs> so getting getting on to that story, I want to talk about um, the uh, recent cuts. I know you're not a WWE guy. I know you watch here and there, but of course the wrestling world as a whole being shocked and rocked by you know the announce of the uh, cuts and the furloughs by WWE. Um, let's kind of go over this list for a second. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up the, the most up-to-date list here. We have Drake Maverick, Kurt Hawkins, uh, Gallows and Anderson, who collectively were the OC, uh, formerly the Bullet Club. He's Slater. That's one that you hate to see. Uh, Aiden English, Eric Young. He's got kids. Yeah, Heath Slater does <laughs> have kids, man. Uh, EC3, Leo Rush, Kurt Angle, Sarah Logan. The list goes on a little bit. Um you know, there's a lot of surprising names on that. Uh, I think, obviously, the most surprising being Gall- your Gallows and Anderson. You know, they just signed those new five-year deals. They were in fucking WrestleMania, dude. They just yeah. were on TV. Um, not only that, but Leo Rush is a great fucking talent. Yeah. He puts on great matches. Um, Drake Maverick, did you see his video? He looked crushed, man. Oh, dude. I mean, he... I, I, I feel like a lot of them probably are, especially uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Um, they were those kids that were making fake belts and wrestling in their backyards. And, I mean, obviously they collect figures we and all that stuff. That. Yeah, exactly. And they were, they're pure fans, and all they've wanted to be is a WWE superstar. They've been there for, what, 15 years? Zack Ryder's, like, what, 15 years now? Something oh, close yeah. to that? Yeah. And they just cut him with... Like, like they don't give a shit, you know, and then the big name on that, you know, my favorite name that's on that list is Rusev. Of course, um, I have a big soft spot in my heart for Rusev. I've always loved Rusev's character. I've always thought he was great from his Alexander Rusev days. to where he came Is he Bulgarian? Uh, yes. Okay. He, he truly is Bulgarian. Uh, they were trying to pass him off as Russian uh, <laughs> for a little bit. I don't know. You know it's, it's another racist thing by Vince McMahon, you know. Um, out of that list, um, and I read some names that, you know, take nothing away from them. Obviously, they're professionals, but uh, I would say are pretty much non-factors, um, you know, and, and for this conversation. But who do would you like to see come over to AEW out of that list? Zack Ryder. He's your number one? He's my number one, and the reason is because I think he's he's got a charisma. Obviously, he's over. He can get over easily, um, and he could be a singles guy. A lot of the other guys, like Gallows and Anderson, would be great, but they would be a tag team. Uh, we got enough tag team people. Um, uh, I don't see Kurt Hawkins getting that over. He's not that over in WWE. Heath Slater, I don't. He's never been a top guy. I don't. I, I mean, he was the one in the fucking dog costume here recently. Yep. <laughs> he but, you know, he just put up a shirt on pro wrestling tees that says "I got fired" instead of "I got kids." That's funny. <laughs> the, uh, the you didn't mention Leo Rush on, through that list, even though you mentioned him earlier. I think uh, he's a guy that I would like to see in AEW. Um, that I think if they really wanted to usher in like. A cruiserweight or a light heavyweight style division, I think Leo Rush obviously is a guy that you can build that around. You know, and Pac, oh my gosh. I mean, Pac obviously should be, fought, you know, fighting for the main belt, in my opinion. But again, you, when you have one main belt, you can't have everybody there the whole time. I, th- I think um, the Death Triangle was where they were going to pivot the trio's titles to. 
six man titles. I think they were going to get the gold there and run the six man division. Well, we'll see what happens. Like you, you were mentioning, you were, seemed to be leery of putting any gold on Lucha Bros or giving any substantial push to Lucha Bros. I just think Triple A's got them fucked. I don't know much about that situation, um, <laughs> but it seems it seems you know from what I read here, it seems uh, pretty legitimate what you're saying. Um, but Rusev, man, I think Rusev could be excellent in AEW. I just think that he he fits he just fits anywhere anywhere you put him. The crowd loves him, and I know the AEW crowd would love him. I think he actually got over in that storyline in the end, the storyline with Delana Lashley. Storyline. Well, he was, but the lot, the Rusev day with Aiden English. I'm, I know. Again, you weren't watching really at this time. I know so. about that. I, I know he got over real big then. I just meant recently. Yeah. Everybody thought it was going to bury yeah. all three of them, and right. he was the only person out of all of that that actually got over, and because yeah. he got arrested and everything towards the end. Well, he came out to be like the sympathetic mm-hmm. character and all of that. He was getting cuckolded so. on national TV. <laughs> national TV. <laughs> Yo, but. I- I think he translate personally. Now I was reading an article that I forget who wrote it, but they, they thought Rusev would be great in NWA, but NWA is not holding any, you know, wrestling yeah. matches right now, and which is uh, a shame. And I think, um, you know, Nick Aldis does need a good opponent and Rusev is a believable opponent. So I could see that, but you know, where do you go from there? I think, uh, Rusev- I think he doesn't want to go to AEW just because he doesn't want to be, Another WWE guy crossing over into those waters. You know what I mean? I'm sure he'll sign somewhere different. He might go to Ring of Honor. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you what really bummed me out, and, and, and I get why it happened, but I was bummed that Marty didn't come over to AEW. I really, really was. They threw everything. They gave him the booking. Dude, <laughs> Please <I'm> stay. <laughs> yeah, they him too. But with that said, they obviously have aspirations to keep ROH going. Um, oh yeah, I mean the the New Japan thing really kind of crushed them too when they weren't really going bringing the New Japan guys over to ROH and then the 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 elite cut out of ROH they had really nobody there besides the only people I remember still being there is uh, Flip Gordon and Marty Scroll everybody else was like who the fuck are you I think you still got Jay Lethal over there um, I think Moose is over there right now right Moose is in Impact. Is Moose in Impact right now? Yep. Uh, He's been I, doing I, shows. I know, and Jay, Jay Lethal is... Uh, wait a minute. I'm thinking of Jay White. White. Yeah, Jay Switchblade. White. He's in NJPW. Yeah, Jay. I, dude, I love some New Japan wrestling, man. Kota Ibushi is phenomenal. Oh, I want to... You know what? <laughs> he did the uh, cruiserweight classic tournament, the WWE tournament, and that was. Um, I actually was very ignorant to like Will Ospreay, Zack Saber. Um, Both know, of them are fantastic too. Yeah, I was ignorant to all of this great wrestling that was happening until the cruiserweight classic tournament, and I saw Kota Ibushi, and I was like, that dude is a star. That dude can, that dude can carry any program if you wanted to. Oh yeah. Um, very impressive. But, the, uh, the thing that he did with Kenny Omega, their storyline was, I mean, bounds and leaps ahead of its time. I think if it would have happened a little bit more now, it would have probably been the biggest storyline in wrestling. You know that one, right? The Golden Lovers? Um, yeah. 
No, I, I'm sorry. I was reading something. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, the, the Golden Lovers thing was, uh, it was very um, progressive. We'll call it that. But people loved it over there, man. They ate it up. That's how Kenny and Koto Ibushi got big. Well, it's a it's a less oppressive uh, social society, if you will, over there. Oh yeah. Like I said, here you can't get a damn black heavyweight champion. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And you use people like uh, back in the day, Billy Gunn, and Chuck Palumbo as comic relief. You know, not anything like legitimate. Yep. You know, so. Oh, I remember that storyline. I think you were still watching at that time. Yep, I think yeah. we were. Because I, I liked Billy Gunn, man, and I still like him now. That dark match. Man. You liked him because he was the ass man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> him and Road Dog, man. They, I think they yes. brought DX to uh, uh, another height. I really do. I think you had the main guys, and it was hot when it first started, and then it kind of plateaued, and then you had the New Age Outlaws come in and run that tag division that really hit that DX into another planet but then it got kind of saturated with more people like the nwo mm. but you know i hope i i i really hope AEW lasts that when 20 years from now we're looking back and talking about like the storylines that are currently going on or to come here in the short future and we're it gonna... will the con family have too much they have a fucking football team you know, <laughs> they have so I much money i hear what you're saying but hell ted turner was beating submissions at one you know at, at some point and I, I don't know about the network ted turner versus the cons um i could do a little google search right here to find out <laughs> you know, but ted, ted turner is, is obviously a very 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 wealthy man net worth of 2.1 billion dollars um let's see what tony Khan is worth it's 2.1 billion dollars and uh, he's about seven billion dollars so, <laughs> uh, and that's just tony his dad is probably worth more than that no, I, I get you. Um, yeah, Tony Khan. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. I think, um, you know, I think if, if anybody because of the roster and because of the executives um, are prepared as any for that kind of fight, I think it's obviously AEW. I think you have, a, you know, especially with the history of the Rhodes family, um you know, Dusty and everything he brought to the business and everything he brought to WWF, you know, um, you have that lineage there. I think that is an invaluable, invaluable view that Cody happens to hold. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to be a ready for any shenanigans or bullshit that WWE tries to pull over the coming years. And I think he's in a spot where he has the freedom to react um, and the way that he sees fit which is nice that uh, the cons seem to be staying out of creative, um, you know, the creative uh, storytelling behind AEW, which is nice. So I, I hope you're right. I hope we, I hope in 20 years, like I said, we're talking about these feuds from now and we're talking about that pack orange Cassidy match from the very first revolution. Yeah, <laughs> it'll happen, man. It definitely will. I don't, I don't see them going anywhere, but I do see, Impact finally going completely out. I feel Ring of Honor is on its last last legs, and it'll become an independent-only company where you see people pick them from there. And I don't see New Japan, unless they're willing to play ball with AEW, I don't see them becoming this big American company. They, it just can't, they can't thrive over here because nobody gives a shit. 
as soon as the elite left, their numbers dropped very, very, very much. They dropped. If it wasn't for Will Ospreay and um, Okada and Ibushi and uh, Naito, uh, they oh would have they would have been killed. They would have been crushed. Hey, that Jericho Naito match was fucking insane too. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I really liked that match. Uh, fuck, what was the homework this week? Oh no, I picked it up. The Hardys and Young Bucks match. Never mind. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll see. I think you will obviously one day see Jeff in AEW. I think that only makes sense. Yeah, he's gonna ride out that contract and go where he can be himself. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully not. Not the alcohol. Yeah, um, that's why he dropped off, man. That's why he's not my favorite anymore. Believe it or not. Who who is your who is your favorite wrestler right now? Cody Rhodes. Cody. Cody yep. Rhodes. Yeah. I I get it. I get it. You know, and I I am certainly as a fan very appreciative of of Cody Rhodes, what he stands for, and what he has done for me as a fan, and what he's done for the uh, professional wrestling world and as a whole. Um, I still I pack as my favorite wrestler. Right oh, now. dude, he's a, a he hasn't had a bad match in AEW at all. Yeah, he's he's you know heel Neville. I, I saw eight when he was still going by Adrian Neville. I saw him answer a U.S. Open U.S. Championship Open Challenge match by John Cena when they came to Cincinnati. Um, and Rusev actually broke that match up. He interfered in that match. Let's uh, kind of take that uh, <laughs> full circle. Rusev, yeah. But uh, he was still playing a face at that time, and he was still doing the red arrow, um, where he was doing essentially what what he's called the black arrow now. But he was doing the red arrow kind of an inverted way. And I was just like so impressed seeing his match live, and uh, especially once he became a heel and just became Neville. I was just like, and that was the bastard Pac. You know, he had always played that character prior to his mm-hmm. time in WWE. As a matter of fact, there is a gem of a match on the network before Neville left. Um, do you know who Alistair Black is? He's yeah. A, so he used to go by Tommy N, if you're familiar with uh, any of his older work. Yep. Um, the first NXT UK takeover after, the, I, I don't know if it was before or after the uh, event, but at some point they did a Neville versus Tommy N match. And, and you know, Neville obviously being from, from Europe um, and Alistair, I think Neville's from, uh, where the hell is he from? Scotland, I think. Yeah, somewhere like that. Uh, yeah, and um, Tommy End or Alistair Black, as you might know him in WWE, is from the Netherlands. Um, and it's just, they just put on a fire ass match. You know, just Hell it was yeah. a dark match that they never aired live. And like you could find it on YouTube or on the network afterward. But if you if you ever get the chance, if you still have the network, um, watch I'm, that Tom. I'll make Tommy that the network. homework of this uh, segment. So it's. It's Tommy N versus uh, Neville. Yep. All right, guys. That's the homework yeah. for this uh, podcast. Uh, check it out and tell us what you guys think of uh, of that match. I've never watched it, so that's going to be something good for me to – because I have plenty of time to watch pro wrestling now. <laughs> yeah. You got it. You, here, let me see if – oh, man. I wonder if I can find the full match. So I, I do. So one of the releases from the WWE is uh, what's his name? Uh, Eric Young is that his name? Yeah, Eric Young. He was part of Sanity actually, um, which was it, while they were in NXT was actually a very popular 
faction. I don't mean like face faction, but they had a lot of value as like the crazy kind of radical heels. You know, mm-hmm. Who was uh, who's the producer guy that's really in with the uh, women's division uh, over there? He's one. He's one of the guys that got let go. That was really, um, he was part of the he, part of the big women's movement over there in WWE who got let go. I know Shane Helms got, um, who was uh, Hurricane the Hurricane. Oh yeah, the Hurricane man. He was one of my favorites. Yeah, he got released. They released Kurt Angle. Um, let's see. So maybe it wasn't Eric Young. It was. Billy Kidman, Mike Rotunda, Fit Finley was... Fit Finley, that's who it was. Okay, so he was really big in the women's boom. He's one of the main reasons why they're succeeding over there. That's one of the people, when you ask who from this list, who I think should go to AEW, is that guy. You could turn this fucking women's... Yeah, women's uh, division around, because they have the talent. I just think... They don't have a star, like a big name. They don't have a Charlotte. They don't have a Becky. They don't have anybody. You you know what? It's interesting that you say that because I know she had to leave to film the last season of Glow or do some other stuff with that. But Awesome Kong, um, my gosh, I thought she was good. And I know she's obviously older and in the tail end of her career. I don't think she has the in-ring work in her is the problem. Not anymore, probably. Yeah, I think that's why they did this Nightmare Collective stuff, uh, because... hide her weaknesses. Yep. You know, but to me, it's like, you you know, if I'm AEW, I try to bring somebody like Jazz. Do you remember Jazz from back in the day in WWE? She was in the Battle Royale, one of the Battle Royales. She was. No hair. She was bald-headed. Yeah, but I thought she was going to come back and be a part of the division, and like... Mm -hmm. But right now, I mean, let's face it, Nyla Rose is... Okay, wrestler. <laughs> I think she's pretty decent, man. I think I, I, I can't. I, she's just not believable for the most part to me. I think as she as needs to not to fat shame her or anything stupid like that. But I think she needs to go work out and and lay into the uh, the beast gimmick a little bit harder. And I think her promo skills. I mean, we barely got to see one or two before all this stuff happened. I think would have been way better. I think her feuds would have been great. I think what really fucked this division up, and I don't know if it's Kenny sleeping with Rio or what happened, but when they put Rio as the title holder right away, I think they really screwed the pooch right there. Well, that was that was Nyla's own doing. I think she was slated to be the inaugural champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, until like those, uh, I, I can't remember if it was a tweet, uh, a tweeting issue where some old offense, she had made some offensive comments that were that came to light. I'm not sure what the timing of that was as far as whether those were current or older comments, but I recall that the original um, intent was to put the belt on Nyla as their inaugural champion, but uh, that just didn't work out for those reasons. So I know it was first supposed to be Kylie Ray. Mm-hmm. before yeah, she pulled original. out the original yeah. part face of this women's division was supposed to be Kylie Ray mm-hmm. and she had some problems I think it was more anxiety than anything else and didn't want to handle the spotlight right away uh, but I'm seeing her pop back up in, in impact and stuff like that and she did a, a couple more shows she's wrestling again at least but she was my pick I had her I literally still have a tweet it was like one of my very first tweets 
that that's my pick for women's champ. First women's champ is Kylie Ray. And I think as soon as that happened, their whole women's division got derailed really hard. Right. They had Mercedes Martinez, too. Uh, and she went to NXT uh, right after she got kicked right in the face by Sadie Gibbs. <laughs> she did that backflip over the top rope to the outside of the ring and straight up just kicked her right in the fucking nose. <laughs> Man, it's a... Uh... It's a shame. It really is a shame that their women's division isn't stronger, though. Like, I, I always come back to thinking about that when it comes to that. And and frankly, women's wrestling in general, like, the Becky Lynch character, in my opinion, has grown stale as of late. Um, mm-hmm. really, realistically, and, and this, this came up in the, the chat that I alluded to earlier with uh, some friends that I have going, um, there really is only one believable women's wrestler in today's in today's business, maybe a handful. And Charlotte Flair, obviously, is one of them, I think. Oscar is one of them. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not up to date with you know uh, Japanese women's wrestling, which I know is a much bigger culture. Um, so I'm sure there's some that I'm not giving justice to here. But uh, no, nope, you got it, Charlotte Flair. She's the best. <laughs> she is the best. You, and like I, you do have to give it to Oscar. I think you're you're probably very unfamiliar with Oscar's work. Um, I saw some of her New Japan stuff. She was really good over there, or maybe it's Stardom that she started Stardom, in, but they. Yeah. Yeah. They work hand in hand. She's really good. I like that Io Shirai. Io Shirai is great. She's kind of the next in line to challenge Charlotte mm-hmm. uh, for the NXT belt. Um, you know, I think Mia Yim, I think, is somebody that's going to be a player in the future. Yep. Um, uh, Rhea Ripley got... looks great. I think they fucked yeah. up Shayna Baszler, too. I was so surprised that she did not go over Becky. And and you knew that. You The reports were coming out that Vince was not sold on on Baszler. She couldn't uh, cut a promo. Oh, it's a terrible promo. Um, you know, it's just not, it's just not believable. When you're a bad promo, it's a not, it's just not believable. Mm-hmm. So, um, all signs kind of point to Ronda Rousey making a comeback and, uh, probably taking the belt off of, uh, Becky Lynch's SummerSlam, which, and all of us unworthy fans. Oh, Jesus. I loved her in UFC. I loved her in UFC, man. But uh, her as a wrestler, uh, oh, yeah. her her not being like Lesnar is, I think, what stalemated her. You know what I mean? Just showing that she's a badass and she could beat the fuck out of everybody should have been her gimmick. Yeah, the problem is she lost in UFC and she cried and she took her ball and she went home. Yep. And she lost in WrestleMania. And regardless of what a predetermined outcome or not, obviously the UFC, she lost straight up, um, you know, but you could tell at the end of that match, it is widely known or like, I would say the worst kept secret that she went into business for herself at the end of that match. You know, the ending is if you ever w- have watched that triple threat match between Charlotte, Rhonda and Becky, um, it's an okay match. Um, but it, it is always hard to execute triple threat matches, I think. Um, but as I was saying, it's widely known that she went into business for herself at the end of the match. And you can tell um, that she did not take the pin uh, as clearly as it needed to be. Um, and then she lost and took her ball and she went home. Uh, so it kind of matches, you know, what she did with UFC. Oh, yeah. Said that she was going to go make babies and still no babies. <laughs> And she, she did get injured. It's funny that she's sitting here calling, you know, calling wrestling fake and stuff like that. And you know, I don't. If I'm a wrestler, I'm not offended really by that. I think everybody knows that there are predetermined outcomes, and everybody knows that it's a, a very physically demanding uh, sport. 
Um, but it was just funny watching the likes of Alexa Bliss come back at her and say, you know, you gave me a, a really, really bad concussion that kind of kept me out of action for over a year, you know, and you're going to sit here and like call this shit fake and, and what have you is, is very disrespectful. And so I think they're obviously setting up her to come back. She's going to take the belt off of Becky Lynch because no one else believable will take it off of her at this point. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I mean, I liked Becky for a while too, but it, like you said, it got stale. I know uh, Ric Flair came up with the man gimmick and he meant it for Ashley, uh, Charlotte, and they kind of took it and gave it to Becky instead. So how how would you think Charlotte would have uh, done with the the man gimmick? I think she's. I don't think it was ever meant to be the Stone Cold Steve Austin gimmick that Becky Lynch made it. I think it was obviously supposed to be the Ric Flair cocky ass, Mm -hmm. you know, man gimmick. Here's here's an interesting factor. I think Charlotte goes to AEW. I do not think she's a WWE lifer. Oh yeah. Um, All the all the signs point to it with you know her copywriting, her name, um, her you know filing filing all that kind of stuff. you know, with with a lawyer, I guess that represents some folks um, with AEW as well. I think she's somebody that's like you've accomplished everything you can in WWE. You know, um, go change the world. Go change the world, right? Be, and I think she will. I think she is somebody that definitely goes to um, AEW. Interestingly enough, what do you think about that? I think she's not only the greatest women's wrestler ever, but I think she's probably tired of constantly wrestling the same girls in the same type of matches and never getting... She probably doesn't have that much creative control because the if the men's division doesn't have it, you you know that the women's division doesn't have that much freedom in anything that they do, storylines. Um, I think she goes where she can actually live out her dreams as wrestler you know what i mean instead of playing wrestler she goes and actually wrestles somewhere where it Mm -hmm. it needs it and it's not just another i mean how many times can she win the title in wwe before she's done with it she's a 12 time champ 12 time champ yeah i'd say get the fuck out of there i'd say you're done yeah i wonder how i wonder how long she is um under contract? Yeah. Hmm. Sometimes it's really, really difficult to find that information. Oh, yeah. They make it really hard. Yeah. You know how much they make. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I would like to see her in AEW. A um, couple couple other questions before we get off here. Um, mm-hmm. My one question to you is, uh, what wrestler, you know, you being the AEW guy, um, even though I'm an AEW guy, <laughs> the AEW guy here. Uh, what wrestler who is not currently in AEW would you like to see in AEW? Um, this is a really weird uh, one, but Danhausen. Do you know who Danhausen is? I'm familiar now. Oh my god, you got to look up Danhausen. Uh, Danhausen is a ghoul who is very uh, hysterical. Um, he like puts pe- teeth down people's uh, throats, like real teeth. And uh, he's got this weird face paint and real gimmicky. He's like an Orange Cassidy uh, type of wrestler. He's good. And like when he, he'll snap his fingers in the middle of the ring and the song Tequila will start playing and he'll start dancing and then kicking people. It's very funny. It's not 
pro wrestling. It's a bad answer, but I really like Danhausen. Well, <laughs> I'd like to uh, see him on a bigger. He went to an R. He, he was in an ROH match recently. He, he, didn't he join? Uh, I'm reading something here. It says built up a name for himself, but he is now wrestling for Ring of Honor. Um, let's see here. I guess there's speculation uh, that he might become part of the villain enterprises in Ring of Honor. Um, so that would seem to be put on hold for at least for <laughs> yeah, the foreseeable future. Yep, I didn't know. I know he did a couple shows there, but I didn't think that he was. He didn't sign any contracts. He does a gimmick with him and Warhorse. Warhorse mm-hmm. is another independent guy that I like. He's uh, he's got the face paint, and he's uh kind of lays into the like native american rocker guy he likes metal and he says you know warhorse is going to rule your ass type of shit he's got really good promo skills uh they're really small guys though um mm-hmm. but if i was to pick somebody that i think um could do well there um i'd like to see will osprey there uh he's getting huge now i don't know if you've seen him lately he's jacked He's like two hundred and fucking fifteen pounds. Uh, he just did an interview with Chris Van Vliet, uh, and it's a new interview. COVID times, um, you got to check out. Chris Van Vliet has the best wrestling interviews out there. Of be- okay. him and Chris Jericho are probably the best. Um, but Chris Van Vliet talks to any anybody who you like. He's talked to him, pretty much. Um, but yeah, probably Will Ospreay. Or somebody else from New Japan, like a Kota Ibushi, or I just want them to work together. Why can't they just get over their little petty bullshit? And it is not coming from AEW side. Oh no, they've Tony Khan even said, uh, you know, my guys are allowed to go there. It's in a lot of their contracts. They can go there. They have. He goes, you're welcome. (laughs) He goes, you're welcome for the great. (laughs) Yeah, he's a savage. Yeah, I think I think they need to play ball if they want to reach more American audiences, and I think they need to bring their. It's like a top four or five there. They got Okada, Ibushi, uh, Naito, Will Ospreay are the big known names. You know, Jay White and uh, Zach Saban. Is that his name? Saber. Saber. Whatever. I was thinking Kip Sabian. Um, obviously, those two guys are good, but their top four or five are those guys and they should have them come over do a feud kind of like the elite inner circle kind of thing aw versus uh new japan or just put up some dream matches and work together man especially when we get out of this thing i don't expect people to be flooding arenas and really getting the full crowds back for a long fucking time i think it's till Late next year is when we'll finally see uh, people in football arenas and things like that. Yeah, I think you're right. I definitely think you're right about that. So um, we shall see what happens to the wrestling universe. As of now, NJPW is in bed with Ring of Honor, though, still. Um, yep. Will Ospreay said as much on that uh, interview with Van Vliet. Um, so maybe, maybe one day we'll see it change. You know, this is a really weird time where. Uh, he thinks they don't need him. Well, Will Ospreay's like, we have our own thing. AEW's got their own thing. We just don't need each other. And I'm like, that's not true. 
I just think there's a lot of pettiness. Like you, you kind of put it earlier as petty. And yep. um, I just think obviously what, you know, why Brock Lesnar had an unceremonious end at NJPW. It's just a, a, a um, promotion that's just steeped in tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and you're expected, there's unspoken rules that you're just expected to act with a certain respect. And I think that they took the whole, you know, starting a new company, doing this whole thing is like a very disrespectful, you know, and, and traitorous, if you will, act, you know, and taking talent from there. And especially the Omega thing, like NJPW really thought like everything that I read, like they were convinced that they still. still <laughs> was, which was hysterical. People hoping that. Although I will say when AJ Styles made his debut at the Rumble, that was one of the biggest holy shit moments. I've oh, yeah. I don't time. think any anybody expected it. Um, your, your mic cut out completely that time. But I knew what you were saying. I knew what you were getting to with uh, Kenny Omega. They really had all their eggs in one basket with him, thinking that he was going to be the face of the company. Oh, the BTE surrounding that was hysterical when he when he's like, yeah, can you really believe that they thought they had a chance? Like, <laughs> they were roasted, you know. And I guess uh, the deal was, I don't, I don't remember what spot it was in the Royal Rumble. I think it was twenty eight, and they pretty much told Kenny like, hey, look, you know, if you show up, you're in. You know, that's oh yeah, that's ultimately it. They even said if you show up, if you show up before the last person goes out, you're in. You know, pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he, he just uh, he never had any plans to show up. Although they they did have very nice things to say about Triple H. Um, you know, he and the Bucks uh, had some nice things to say about Triple H, and uh, I just think they were obviously on a mission, and uh, that was a pipe dream. So, um, last question for you: If you could see one match right now, regardless of promotion or anything like that, who would it be, and what kind of match would it be? It would be uh, Kenny and AJ. I think everybody wants to see that. Oh, dude. It, I want it to be an Iron Man match, and I want it to be AJ's retirement match when he's ready. Really? Yep. That's what I would like to see. I'd like to see him and Kenny go at it when AJ's ready to retire because AJ's talking about basically getting that last big contract with uh, WWE, that big, uh, what is it, a 10-year contract that they usually do before they're done? And he yeah, kind of weans into the back towards the end of it. Did, he did re he did resign recently because um, there was some talk that he might he might uh, go other way. I think he only signed a three or a five year deal though. Yeah, um, he wants to get out before he can't do it anymore. Yeah, and you know, so m- me, um, not that you asked me, but I, I was about to ask you. <laughs> um, I would have said the same match as you but you know for the for the sake of not not having (laughs) sorry (laughs) i'll I'll audible here i'll pivot as aew does and i would do a fatal four-way match and it would be kenny and aj styles like you said but also cody rhodes and finn balor um as well do a fatal four the demon or just finn balor i'm saying like prince devitt njpw finn balor oh okay that makes sense and then you have like all the bullet club history there Mm -hmm. you know um, like as far as like, you know, the non, you know, there's obviously the Japanese iteration of the, of the bullet club now, but I'm saying the non-Japanese iteration, you know, the white guys, if you will, uh, leaders <laughs> of the, bullet club. the white guys. Um, Cause, and the reason I say that, you know, originally, if I, if I had, 
faith in triple threat matches, which I don't have faith in triple threat matches. Um, I would love to just say Finn, not even Cody in that match, just a Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Kenny Omega. Oh, I think that would work. I think they would get, they would make, they would make it work easily. Um, I think they they certainly could make it work, but it would never top a singles match between any one of the three of them. You know, together. I don't. I. I just think triple threats get very, very awkward, and there's always a lone man. <laughs> if there's a guy no. selling way too long. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why fatal four ways I think work a lot better because people can stay busier um, in fatal four way matches. But uh, yeah, I, I think any combination of those guys, and then you put Finn Balor in there. You know, he was the first one to make the jump, um, mm-hmm. if you will, from the Bullet Club. Um, I miss the Demon Man. I miss it. I think that's the one cool thing about him. He had the demon to pull out in the dire times, and he would pull the demon out and get it going. I'm with you, but I'm saying as far as I guess for for the sake of that match, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna strip like things that are impossible, then yeah, I would say obviously throw the demon in that match. But I'm saying if you want to take every one of them at their iteration as the leader of the Bullet Club, I just think that would be a phenomenal match. Oh yeah. You know, they all came out rocking Bullet Club gear, you know, all doing their things. You know, it's kind of like the battle of, like, the supreme leaders, you know. That's for life, man. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's just for life. So, AJ, speaking of which, AJ's made some interesting comments since the release of his brethren. Um, Which, by the way, you know Carl Anderson's a local boy here, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cincinnati. mm Mm-hmm. I know he Uh, said he has a Twitch, or he does... uh, some other streaming service, uh, the one on Xbox or whatever it's Mix, called. Mixer? Yeah. Mixer. You pay to watch that guy, not me. Oh, no. <laughs> I, just read, I just read the articles afterwards. So um, He's got videos on YouTube if you want to check it out now of him oh, talking about oh, it. He's like, it's really disappointing, and he didn't get the chance to save his, his brothers, his younger brothers is what he was calling them. Yeah, yeah. And then, so I was saying it's interesting uh, to see what will happen of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think AJ Styles is a commodity that WWE obviously will do whatever they can to. Oh, they're gonna throw the too. fucking the briefcase full of money at him every single time. He's their best. Yeah. He's their best wrestler by far. I think. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think he's the best. I think he's literally the best that they will ever have. That. I think they have some really great wrestlers who are great who have not had their chance to show their. But I would I would agree. I would say AJ Styles is is their is the best wrestler. He's the wrestler of the decade, man. I'd say I probably agree with that. I I, you know, I have I haven't put a lot of time into making lists like that or thinking about lists like that. You know, I think I'm very good about staying in the moment of like what is the current goings on. Uh, Everybody hated my list. (laughs) It was uh, everybody trashed it. It was fine. I'll have, to, I'll have to make a list and see if they trash that as well. But, um, you know, I definitely would say, you know, you've got to give, you know, people who, people like Finn Balor, like you, you've got to give them their props where it's due. You know, they're Finn Balor is very close. I think to AJ Styles, a lot closer than you would want to give him credit for, but he has mm-hmm. in WWE. He has not had, you know, he had that initial push with the universal title becoming the inaugural champion, but that was more, of Seth Rollins screw up 
than it was anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had gotten in trouble just prior to that, and they all they audibled and gave the belt to Finn. Seth injured him in the match because he's a notoriously dangerous worker. Um, another thing to hate about he, him. Yeah, he uh, fucks people up, man. Oh, really bad. Um, and so they gave it to Finn, and you know, ever after that happened, they really never gave him anything other than the cookie cutter. You know, we're going to send you out because you get a huge pop and we're never going to give you really anything meaningful after that. So he, if you go watch his NXT stuff, if you ever, like, find yourself watching old stuff, give Finn Balor and NXT a try. Um, Alistair Black and NXT, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, like, all the old guys and from early NXT were just putting on master classes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Finn Balor's up there. I think he's definitely – he and AJ Styles are the top two talents in wwe i'd say charlotte flair is probably number three for me as far as like just overall wrestling ability is concerned i put her in her own class to where there's nobody in there with her (laughs) (laughs) obviously her work is obviously different from aj and from from finn balor but Mm -hmm. uh, you know you, you have to appreciate what she's been able to do with the supporting cast that she has been having around her and not to say that they aren't good or great in their own rights but I mean, frankly, like, how do you? It's probably very difficult to like maintain that level when you're very clearly the best. You know, yep. you have to bring everybody else up to that level. Oh yeah. Um, so, in my opinion, Charlotte's Charlotte is the third, you know, number three for me in WWE, and then it's a, you know, there's a crapshoot of guys in the in the middle there. A lot of people do their own things, but uh, you know, uh, wrestling. Whittle whittle your list today. down. <laughs> whittle it down. How many do you want me to give you? And ten. Overall? Top ten okay. of every promotion. Not right now. We'll come back because we're going to do this again because this was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm writing this down. <laughs> All righty. All right. I think that will be what I come prepared with next time. My top ten and why they're my top ten. Yep. So you got to get a top ten of a current. And mm-hmm. so from the Attitude Era up till now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then give me your top three overrated wrestlers. Okay. And then your top three legends. All right. And then you can do it, uh, since you like more women's wrestlers, you could do a top five women's wrestlers. Yeah, because mine was just Charlotte Flair. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you the top five women's. I got some stuff to say about women's wrestling. Because my top three legends, uh, Brett the Hitman Hart being the ultimate all-time legend greatness. That's Shawn that's Michaels. my opinion. Uh, Shawn Michaels was number three. The Undertaker was number two. A lot of people go Hart three, Taker two, Michaels one. I would say a lot of people think that. I think he got screwed, man. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to tell you mine. I can't wait to go over these and sit and give some time to them. So. Awesome, man. Well, this was fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. We're going to have to do this again. It's going to be a thing. I'm sorry. Yep. Tell your fiance I'm sorry. That's fine. Like I said, we'll move into, we're moving to a new house next month, and I'll be able to get my audio space set up, and uh, you know, we'll have a much better setup here. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. Hell, yeah, man. All right, Jeffrey. Well, thank you for having me on. Good to chat with you, brother. Oh, yeah. It was a good time, for sure. Hey, it's been too, too sweet, baby. see ya buddy well hell yeah man that was awesome uh great talking with mr zachary preston um definitely gonna have to have him on again uh hope you guys enjoyed this podcast 
so let me know what you guys think. Uh, you know, share this podcast, review it, um, yeah, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at jengler88 or a hundred elite pod at a hundred elite pod. I don't know why I forgot the at. Um, but yeah, um, that's it, man. This is it. Bonus episode number seventeen in the books. Um, God, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this. It's it's awesome just getting to sit and talk pro wrestling uh, with somebody who likes all of it. I'm a little biased with all the AEW stuff, but, uh, you know, I give some people a chance here and there when they deserve it. And, uh, yeah, that's a bit of it for me. And uh, I will see you guys on the next Legion, but we are many. You are one, we have plenty. You have some, you're taking this so serious. But I'm only doing this for fun. You're walking backwards while I run. Met with doubt, cause you're out done. Open my mouth, this eye, you're up regretting what you just begun. You're never stopping me, you're never stopping this. You never saw me coming, but you must acknowledge this. So I'll just bring the heat and leave them powerless to try to step to me. So maybe you should crawl a bit. You're